Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and Breath of the Wild 2 and Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope and, and, and Advance Wars. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All In. My name is Seth Prime Pinball, and uh, what are you doing over there, Eric? Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm Samurai Eric Down, and honestly, I'm, I'm just so incredibly hype for this year of releases, Seth. I'm just, I'm thinking about everything that's going to come out, and I... I can't wait. I need to have them now, Seth, right now. Just calm down, man. I have no doubt they're all going to be worth the wait. But speaking of Advance Wars, I'm sure you heard we're actually going to have to wait a little bit longer for that one now. It's it's for a good reason. Don't worry. We're going to talk about it more in the news roundup. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure it's going to be worth the wait. I'm trying to stay positive. It, You know what? In fact, let's let's do that. Today, how about we just count down the top five times Nintendo games overcame huge delays. There you go, man. Positivity. I love it. And after that, we finally get to do something else we've been waiting forever to do. Since literally the first episode of this show, we've been waiting for the perfect opportunity to cover this game. So our indie showcase for International Women's Day is Nomada Studios' Gris. You know, I think I think that might be just what I need. I've been... I... I've just been so worked up over the past couple days because I was really hoping we were finally going to get a new Mario game announcement on Mario Day. I know, I know. I think we all were, but we're going to have to wait a little bit longer on that too, Eric. But hey, look, on the bright side, gives us the perfect opportunity to talk about everything that might lie in store in the future of The Plumber, especially since today we're being joined by Game Explains Andre Seegers to do just that. Nice. Well, you know... Obviously, there's a lot of waiting that we can't control, but, you know, there is one that we can. We got a great show lined up, guys, and I don't want to wait any longer for it to start, so let's rock that intro. It's time to go all in. That's right, everybody. I know it has been a full week since we were last here with you talking Nintendo, but I promise a new episode of this show is always worth the wait here on All End and Nintendo Podcast, the weekly Nintendo variety show each and every Saturday. No shells left unturned and no point is left unearned. Man, uh, so thrilled to be here with you guys today. Great show this week. A lot of stuff to get into. I, I just got to dive right into a couple of things here, Eric. Before we get into everything that's been going on, I got a few things I want to just make sure we hit on. First of all, a brand new five-star review right here at the top. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, my friend. Spicy. Spicy. From Mostly Martinez on iTunes, who leaves us a glowing five-star review and says, You guys are a blast, and everyone who loves gaming should obviously listen. Obs. Obs. (laughs) <laughs> uh, mostly Martinez continues much love keep killing it and I am excited to see where you go thank you so much for that review mostly Martinez we really appreciate it. I've been seeing mostly Martinez pop up a lot here on Twitter lately yeah 
yeah. I definitely been seeing that name pop up a lot in our socials. Yeah, I, I definitely recognize that name. So we, we appreciate all the love and support. Of course, you can leave a five-star review just like mostly Martinez did. Uh, if you leave a written review on iTunes, on Podchaser, on Audible, you can get a shout out here on the show. We'll read off your review and we will chisel your beautiful five-star review into the eternal rock of all in Nintendo podcast. And you can also rate us five stars on Spotify. And although you can't leave a written review there yet, uh, we always appreciate it. It helps us so much, helps us more than you can possibly know, um, you know, with visibility for the show. And, and it just makes us smile. Don't you want to see us smile over the audio <laughs> waves? <laughs> it's like they, can't, they can't really see us on, on the show. <laughs> we're smiling. We promise. We promise we're smiling. Uh, another thing I wanted to shout out real quick here before we get into it is a community game night, which would normally be happening uh, tonight. We as a community, the community spoke, Eric. They made their voices heard. Uh, community member Napsy uh, reminded me that it's next week when the new Mario Kart stuff yes. uh, happens. So it's like, you know, we would be doing community game night an off week. If we, we'd be missing Mario Kart by a whole week, we have to rearrange stuff. And it's like, you know, I've got stuff going on this weekend anyway. So, so I said, you know what, guys, let's, let's put it to a poll. Like who wants to just re, you know, shift things around, do community game night next Friday night when the Mario Kart tracks drop. And everybody seems like that's what they want to do. Cause let's be real. Everybody's going to be playing Mario Kart anyway. So seems sensible to do so. <laughs> The community has spoken. Community game night will be happening next week instead of its regularly scheduled bi-weekly Saturday time. So uh, you still have plenty of time to hop into the Discord. Links to that are in our Twitter bio, as well as every single solitary episode description wherever you're listening to the show right now. So uh, head over to the Discord and join in the festivities. We like to live stream it. We like to get together and play some games. So next Friday night, we are going to be just going, going all in, Eric. And the yeah. new Mario Kart 8 DLC. That seems to be our thing. That <laughs> seems to be our thing. But uh, with all that out of the way, sir, what's been going on in your world this week? Oh, I mean, just between Mario Kart next week and, of course, uh, Chocobo GP and F-Zero X just dropping just a ton of arcade racing goodness on the Nintendo Switch here in March. A lot of laps to run and a lot of fun to be had. I did download the light version of Chocobo GP on the Nintendo Switch. There is, like, it's 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 like a half step above a demo. They call it the right. light version of the game of Chocobo GP, which is free to download. So if that was something that you were interested in, if Chocobo GP was a game you were interested in, I do recommend checking that version of the game out before you purchase the full version. But I, I tried out the free version. I tried out the light version. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's going to be a decent alternative to Mario Kart. It is very unfortunately timed in terms of its release. I'm sure they had no clue that Nintendo was just about to drop an entire game's worth of DLC on Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I'm sure they felt that that uh, ship had well and truly sailed by this point. It's like, oh, Mario Kart 8's been, gone, uh, been done for a long time. It's time for a new kart racer to take over on the Nintendo Switch. It's been a long time since Nitro Kart came out. It's time for the reign of Chocobo GP and Mario 8 Deluxe. It's like, you know what? How about 48 new courses? So I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what the numbers for Chocobo GP are, especially going into... Uh, this next week. But again, it does look kind of cool. The one thing that's really going to hurt them is 
just the cavalcade of microtransactions, I feel, because even just booting that game up, it's immediately there. Yeah, that that was my first takeaway because I downloaded the light version also. I mean, look, we we've been very vocal. We've been looking forward to the game for a long time. Up until the microtransaction news came out a few weeks ago, I mean, I was fully intending on a day one purchase. Like honestly, yeah, me too. Um, I was really excited about the game, but then yeah, like even in the light version, the instant the instant you boot it up, you were just bombarded with like, here's your mithril and here's your gill and make sure you buy the prize pass and this is how you can unlock Squall and Cloud. I'm just like, guys, like this is so far removed from... I I mean, like you shouldn't be like just throwing these ads essentially in people's face the second they boot the game up, man. Yeah. Now, admittedly, there are some really interesting little ideas in Chocobo GP. The the story mode seems like it's going to be all kinds of camp weirdness. I'm kind of here for it. The way it's told in an almost, you know, uh, puppet style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the voice acting is incredibly endearing. But I, I do really like what they do with the actual Chocobo GP, which you can play in the light version. There's not too many things right. you can do in the light version, obviously. But you can take part in kind of the title mode, which is effectively like a battle royale tournament. Uh, as long as you keep placing in the top half of races, you keep... Uh, moving up in the rankings. So I think, you know, it starts with 64, the top half move to uh, four races between the top 32. And then from there, you've got two races at the top 16. And then the top half all go to the final race in the top eight to find out who wins. So, you know, another kind of really cool tournament mode, uh, another battle royale style mode. But I think it's a really cool idea. I had some fun with it. I thought some of the courses were interesting. Uh, Some of them were really hard. There are some courses that are super basic, but then there are some that are just almost infuriating. But ultimately, I think it's a game that if you decide to donate some time and to to really take some time to, to learn the ins and outs of, I think you'll enjoy it. Just do beware of all of the microtransactions that are going to be show uh, that are going to be popping up throughout probably the entire game's lifespan. Yeah. Now, that's not the only racing game. Obviously, I mentioned F0X that dropped Thursday night, mm-hmm. of course, for us on the Nintendo Switch NSO64 online app. Seth, Nintendo acknowledged F0. <laughs> yeah, that was my first. I was like, I was like, this is so weird to see Nintendo actually tweet the words F0. What's going on now? I don't know how Nintendo keeps track of the data i don't know if there's actually a way for nintendo to see what games are being played and how many hours are being put into those games there must be yeah see that's what i'm thinking is like there's got to be some type of some type of algorithm some type of program that lets nintendo know a lot of this stuff yeah so with that being said guys if we want a new f-zero game play f-zero x it's online so yeah, there you go. If you're not wanting to spend, you know, forty dollars on a racing game plus a bunch of microtransaction money, if you have the expansion pack, you have access to an incredible arcade racer on your Nintendo Switch this weekend. Anyway, uh, you know, just just jump into F Zero, and if you've never tried it, absolutely try it. F Zero, the original F Zero, is already on the Super Nintendo NSO app. So definitely make sure to check out F-Zero-X on the N64 app. A ton of just breakneck, fast-paced, arcade racing fun. 
I really hope Nintendo's watching because even with all the money and time and effort they're about to pump into Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, they've we've proven that they can sustain multiple games within a genre. So here's hope they're listening. Yeah, F-Zero is a really unique franchise that I, I would like to see continued in some capacity, even if it's not like some AAA, you know, release every single year or something like that. It would be nice to see F-Zero carried forward in some kind of capacity, you know, because it, yeah, it's Fast RMX was kind of the closest we got. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it, that's a classic situation of indie studios picking up the mantle when Nintendo won't do it themselves. Uh, which happens all the time, but I, I would like to see the <laughs> F-Zero series have a have a second shot. I would too. It'd be nice to be able to say that Captain Falcon had at least as many appearances within his own franchise as he does within Smash Brothers. <laughs> right. Uh, but in addition to that, there was some stuff I did that was not necessarily racing related. Our friends over at Retroid, I'm sorry, Bitwave mm-hmm. Studio the newly rebranded Bitwave Studio released another huge update for their game, Wonderling, which we featured a while back in one of our indie showcases. They initially released a huge free update called Kohlrabi's Ruin, and this past week they released another massive update that actually required that they change the thumbnail of the game. They straight up changed the title of their game. It is now Wonderling DX. Yeah, I've, I've got to get in and play this. Have they said, is that, this is it for Wonderling? Did they say that this is the final kind of, now it's complete? I haven't seen anything specifically saying that this okay. is going to be the final update, but I mean, I, I don't know. I really thought Kohlrabi's Ruin was going to be the final part of this right. game. It blows my mind. They're still working on A, DLC, but B, free content for this game because both of these huge updates that have come to this game have been free updates, right? Which thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, But this latest update is really, really interesting. It adds a final extra world, just like the last update did it added an entire world's worth of stages and an incredible new ending. Kohlrabi's ruin had a great new ending, but Wonderling DX adds Uh, a really interesting mechanic to where each of the new 14 stages in the final world need to be accessed from elsewhere in the game. And each of the stages has a little map snippet of the area of the game where the portal is to that stage. Mm, Okay. And the stages themselves, I've played the first several, and they're fairly challenging. It looks like this is going to be kind of like the final special world. You know how the the special stages in Mar- uh, Super Mario World were far and away the hardest stages in the game? Right. It looks like it's very much going to be that for Wonderlane. Wonderlane, by the end of it, was, was getting a little challenging, but with the extra stages in Kohlrabi's Ruin, and it looks like especially with the Wonderling DX world they just added, if you're looking for a real challenge in that game, it looks like they just gave it to you. I'm really excited to play through the rest of the stages. I really hope it doesn't get too annoying trying to find the portals because I can see that happening. I did know kind of immediately where the first few were. But unfortunately, I don't have photographic memory, so <laughs> I may have to go searching for a few of them. And I just sure. really hope I'm not having to spend the next five hours just looking for the last three or four portals in this game. But still, I'm still having 
a blast. It's still really fun. Their quote unquote Goomba simulator, as they like to call it. I guess it just makes sense considering this past week was Mario Day. I guess it would make sense they release a massive update for Perfect a game they timing. call their, Go- their Goomba simulator. But it's it's a ton of fun. Again, more free content. They didn't need to give us free content. And yeah, if you if you haven't checked out Wonderling, definitely go back and check out our indie showcase on that game. It's gotten a ton of additional content for nothing. So kind of the opposite of what Jokobo GP is doing <laughs> right. effectively. But definitely check it out. I really enjoyed it. It's a really fun, interesting little take on puzzle platformers. Uh, Wonderling DX from Bitwave Studios. But outside of the realm of video games, I did finally get around to watching the first several episodes of the Cuphead show. Oh, cool. And I've got to say, I really like it. I really, really like it. I, I know a lot of people are disappointed with it. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be some intricately woven, massive narrative like something on the level of Game of Thrones intrigue and, you know, these deep plots. No, what the show is, is it's very Looney Tunes. They're 11 minute episodes with, you know, kind of, they're very self-contained 11 minute episodes, just like a lot of the old Looney Tunes and a lot of the old Disney shorts used to be. That's exactly what this show is. There's no overarching narrative. It's just 11 minutes of Cuphead and Mugman having slapstick cartoon fun which makes perfect sense considering that the game Cuphead was based on these old cartoon shorts from the old 30s and 40s, was based exactly on this type of programming. So it makes perfect sense. That is what this is. If you were expecting something a little bit deeper, this might not be for you, but honestly, I really, really like it. I really like a lot of the touches they've put in. The animation itself looks absolutely clean. Uh, the, a lot of the soundtrack, there's a lot of musical numbers. Of course, a lot of the characters from the show do make appearances in interesting ways. The devil shows up in the very first episode and you can really tell a lot of the influences even beyond the old animated shorts that the game was based on. You can definitely tell a lot of the influences that they've taken a lot of the animation and a lot of what's going on. You can definitely see the influences of those thirties and forties cartoons, but you can see a lot of influences from a lot of the stuff going on today as well. Even going like the devil character in Cuphead, I can, I can very, very clearly see little like little shadows and little hints of how him was portrayed in the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. There's a lot of really interesting little stuff going on, and you can definitely tell where a lot of the influence is coming from. So if you like Looney Tunes style programming, I definitely recommend checking it out. They even have they even have like simulated film grain, which I think is amazing. That's so cool. They even have film grain in the show. So big ups to a lot of the steps they took to make it feel authentic toward the time while also somehow feeling new and fresh. I really wasn't expecting much out of the show, but just from the first few episodes, I've got to say I was really impressed with what I've seen. I'm probably going to finish the rest of it this weekend. And, you know, maybe the last few episodes will completely change my mind about the show, (laughs) but we'll see. I'll share it with you guys next week. 
Nice. Yeah, I've seen the first couple episodes. I like it too. It's not, I think a lot of people, just like you said, were coming into this wanting it to be, you know, people are spoiled by stuff like Gravity Falls and Steven Universe and these kind of like, you know, deep narratives in their cartoons. But the Cuphead yeah, show is. show long narratives. Yeah. Yeah. It was, the Cuphead show was never going to be that, you know? So if you, I think if you come in kind of knowing what to expect, there's some fun to be had. Yeah. They're the, the Acme, uh, shorts and the acme style of animation right. and hijinks and slapstick cartoon humor is is all over this and as somebody who obviously you and i seth grew up with a lot of those you know the tom and jerry's mm-hmm. the uh wily e. coyotes and road runners and even stuff like tiny toon adventures i even see hints of tiny toon adventures in this so oh, sure yeah it's it's meant to be nostalgic, but it's weird how effectively nostalgic it is for so many generations, I think. Well done, guys. And then the last thing I'm just going to shout out real quick is, you know, Obi-Wan. <laughs> Obi-Wan trailer. Looking yeah. forward to Obi-Wan. Oh, That's yeah. going to be cool. Just Obi-Wan. That's it. Send tweet. Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, that trailer is great. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. There's, there's not much more to say than that. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, for me, it's been, I, I'm not going to front. I, I haven't had a lot of time to spend on video games this week. Still playing Pokemon. It's, it's business as usual. I'm still playing Pokemon. Um, you know, that's, that's like the main thing. Uh, I did stream Mario Odyssey for like, wound up streaming for like three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> just go, kind of go figure Mario Odyssey still holds up. It still, still holds up. It's still a pretty good game. Yeah. On Mario day, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to shirk my editing chores for a little bit and I'm going to play a little Mario Odyssey and, um, popped on stream. And I, that game's just hard to put down, man. It's just still so, so good. And, uh, next thing you know, three and a half hours go by and I'm like, okay, I had to, I had to literally pry myself away from the controller. I literally had to force <laughs> myself to, uh, no, to stop playing. No, must keep playing. I, I could have played it all night. I, I really could have. The game is, is still so fun. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, like I just haven't, I, I just haven't had a lot of gaming time, uh, here. Hopefully I know you saw the Batman. Um, and I'm, I did. Yeah. Actually last week I did yeah. see the Batman. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm wanting to see that. My wife and I are hoping to go see that on Monday. Uh, I had some things get rearranged with my day job for next week. My my schedule got shifted a little bit, so I'm actually going to be off on Monday, and my wife's going to be off on Monday. So we're actually going to have a day off together for the first time in forever. So we're actually going to go see the Batman. I think so. That'll nice. be cool. Sounds like it's a decent movie. Yeah, I did it right after we finished recording last week's episode. Like genuinely, I went. Uh, I ran a couple errands after we finished recording. Then I went to go see the Batman that night. So it it, it is really, really good. Robert Pattinson does a fantastic. Zoe Kravitz is amazing. Legit, probably the best Catwoman. Better than Michelle uh, Pfeiffer? Like, no, like I'm not even kidding. Like Zoe Kravitz absolutely kills it. Oh, She's I don't know so about that. Uh, that's that's Those are big shoes to fill, dude. Yeah, Paul Dano is absolutely fantastic. He's completely unhinged. It is a very interesting take on the Riddler. I know this this version of the Riddler has appeared in the comics before, but I I'm very much I'm very much a fan of the the more playful version, the more almost campy version of the Riddler, like the Jim Carrey and the uh, the Batman 1966 television show version of the Riddler. So seeing this version of the Riddler was 
it was certainly interesting, but Paul Dano, I, I knew he'd be able to pull it off. And he does this version of the Riddler a ton of justice. There's also a couple surprises in there. We shall see how you think of those. Looking forward to it. I'm, I'm a huge Batman fan, as you know. I, I love no. Batman. And um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see we'll see how it turns out. I'm looking forward to it. I have my reservations going in, but I'm coming in with an open mind and, uh, and I'm hoping to be blown away. It sounds like it's good. A lot of people are loving it. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Eric, there is plenty of news to talk about this week. Actually wound up being a, a subtly busy week in the world of Nintendo news. So what do you say we get into it? Yeah, go figure Mario Day week wound up having a lot of stuff <laughs> to talk about. Even more stuff than we were even anticipating. So let's talk about it. Now, the very first thing we want to talk about here in the news roundup is actually a somewhat serious story. Unfortunately, this past week, Nintendo made the announcement to delay next month's Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 reboot camp without even giving a new release date. Now, this game very obviously has already suffered a fairly major delay and fans were very much looking forward to it. However, uh, this might actually be the most universally praised delay that I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, because of course the you know the the sort of impetus to delay the game, the reason Nintendo made the decision uh, was in light of recent world events. I've actually got their quote here. They say, "quote In light of recent world events, we have made the decision to delay Advance Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp, which was originally scheduled to release on Nintendo Switch on April eighth." Please stay tuned for updates on a new release date, end quote. Now, obviously, this is in reference to everything going on in Ukraine and Russia right now. Um, and Nintendo made the the wise and perfectly justified decision to delay the game. Um, you know, I, I think they just felt like it's it's kind of not in our best interest to release a game about war and territory control when that's happening in the real world. Yeah, there's a lot of people over in the Ukraine uh, whose lives have been completely upended and, uh, you know, many people losing their lives during this situation. So Nintendo very rightly felt that releasing a game where a lot of those things happen within their game, albeit in a very lighthearted way, they made, again, a perfectly justifiable decision here to and uh, in, to indefinitely delay the release of Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. I've seen so many people, so many people over the past few days praise Nintendo's decision for this, retweeting the delay and saying thank you, just actually thanking Nintendo for having the wherewithal to do that. I saw somebody compare that to something that Sony had done, where Sony was really pushing their Call of Duty Warzone right, uh, season right, right. pass and, and all this stuff going on there. So again, just a very... We do rightly bag on Nintendo sometimes for being kind of tone deaf and making anti-consumer decisions, but this was an instance where they were absolutely right to do what they did. Yeah, and I've seen some people be, you know, kind of cynical about it and say like, well, Nintendo is probably going to delay it for other reasons and they're just kind of like using this as an excuse. And it's like, we have no reason to believe that. You know what I mean? The game was coming out in a month. Um, You know, we we have no reason to believe that they delayed it for these kind of like, you know, deeper reasons other than exactly what they said. And in fact, the game was coming out so soon, you have to imagine that things like manufacturing was already in progress. You know, things like preparing for shipment scheduling was already in progress. So, you know, they probably had to halt 
quite a few things in order to delay this game and and throw things off track. And, you know, to be completely frank, the game is probably going to release in a busier time um, coming out later this year than it would have if it came out in April. Like, the rest of this year is stacked. And yeah. I, I honestly think it was, for Nintendo, a hard decision um, to, to be like, you know, we're going to send this thing out later on in the year against all of this other stuff. And it's, I mean, the, the game, unfortunately is just not going to stand out as much as, as it probably deserves to, um, later on this year, there's so much writing against it. And I'm, I'm sure this was a difficult decision for Nintendo to make, but I think everybody's glad they made it. But here's, you know, here's the, the, the whole talking point about that is let's say for the sake of argument that this entire decision was made just to give way forward more time to polish the title, just because it wasn't quite ready. Let's say for the sake of argument that that was exactly the case. What's the counter argument to that release the game? Right. So, you know, if it were in a state where it could be released, if this wasn't done to do that, then would you argue that Nintendo should release the game right now in light of world events? So even if it is just, even if this is just a thinly veiled way to give way forward, more time to polish the game, it was still absolutely the right decision not to release advance wars in the current world climate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I it just makes me wonder though, cause obviously, and, and, you know, a lot of people have pointed this out with the first advance wars releasing just yeah. the day before September 11th, 2001, literally September 10th, 2001, um, which caused significant delays to the Japanese and European markets. As a matter of fact, Japan didn't even get the first one until it was bundled in with advance wars two when that finally came out. So, I mean, it saw significant delays in other markets because it released the day before September 11th here in the States. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of like, oh man, like Advance Wars just can't catch a break, you know? But I'm also kind of like, I wonder if for Nintendo's part, if they're just kind of like, you know, why are we even making a series with themes like this? Because sadly and unfortunately, the world we live in today, I mean, war is a, a near constant uh, factor. So we're we're putting this series out that is saying like you know look at how cute and fun war is and don't get me wrong I love Advance Wars I love Advance Wars as much as the next guy but it's like maybe this isn't the kind of thing we should be focusing on especially when you consider that despite Advance Wars being one of the most critically acclaimed series that Nintendo has it's one of the least successful financially I think I think it's like fighting with Chibi Robo for the worst selling Nintendo franchise. So I got to wonder if Nintendo is going to just kind of be like, I don't know if this is worth it for us anymore. No, especially especially when it comes to two major delays because of real world events. I can't imagine we're going to see another Advance Wars game, maybe ever, frankly, from Nintendo. Because they've been put in a position now multiple times where they've had to come out of pocket a lot of money yeah. because of circumstances completely beyond their control. They made the right decisions obviously but i mean yeah talking <laughs> you have games that have themes like this that have put nintendo in a position to where they considered having to delay them because of what's going on this obviously i mean i can't imagine a situation where this would happen with a game like legend of zelda or arms or mario or exactly. donkey kong or yoshi so nintendo has always been 
they, they've always been at their best when they've catered to what they could do best. And, you know, maybe staying away from more mature themes, even as cartoonishly as they portray them. I think this is going to be just another reason for Nintendo to just kind of stay in their lanes. Like, nope, just all uh, rated E10 and up. That's it. All family friendly, all bright, colorful, whimsical platformers and RPGs and ilk of that like. No more war, no more mature themed. Like we're definitely never seeing another Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. We're definitely seeing never <laughs> seeing like the fact that Bayonetta is probably still gonna get released blows my mind after all of this. So we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully that doesn't get delayed if you know there's some real world situation of uh, a dominatrix. You know, doing <laughs> that happens in the real world <laughs> yeah i'd be clear we're we're all uh we're all in bad shape if that happens in real life but uh i i think that for you know advanced wars because i mean nintendo has proven that they can pull this kind of thing off i mean nintendo's take on the competitive shooter is splatoon you know what i yeah. mean so like they they can pull this kind of thing off and kind of make it work for them advanced wars is just sort of again and i love advanced wars but like it's a relic of another time and and you know like that again it just it, the proof is in the pudding that first game releasing in one of the most significant moments in world history just kind of come goes to show like well maybe we're we shouldn't be interested in making games about real life war even though it's cartoony and fun and blah 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 like this isn't fantasy war this is about real life war it's Nintendo version of real life war, but maybe Nintendo doesn't want to make their version of real life war anymore. And I, I was talking about this a little bit on the RetroLogic discord. And I was like, and this is something I've even talked about on the show before. I'm like, what you do is you just reskin advance wars as something else. And speaking of Splatoon, just literally do this with Splatoon. Like give me advance wars gameplay as a Splatoon spinoff. That way you can have your cake and eat it too. I would be all yeah. here for that. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's the the entire there's the entire uh, lore of like the Octoling Wars or whatever. Great Turf War, yeah, yep, yeah, the Great Turf War. So there you go. It writes Doug itself. Bowser, write that down. It writes itself, and you can do really interesting things with inking mechanics and movement for your troop units. I mean, like it would be really interesting actually to do a, a Splatoon, you know, grid based strategy game like Advance Wars and. You know, you, you wouldn't have to, it would be so far removed from actual warfare that you wouldn't have to worry about stuff like this. So I would, I would almost prefer Nintendo to move in that direction as much as I like Advance Wars. And, and to be honest with you, before all of this happened, I was feeling really optimistic about Advance Wars. I was like, oh, wow. Like they're letting a studio like way forward, take a crack at it. It looks great. It's coming out in December. Then it got delayed to April. And then, you know, now it's got an indefinite delay. So, I mean, you know, it's a shame. Yeah, I, I still do have faith that the game is going to be very good. I have faith that the game is going to be worth the wait, mm -hmm. uh, even though WayForward has a couple times in the past, as much as I love WayForward, they, a lot of the licensed games that they produce have very clearly been just for the paycheck. I mean, uh, I still haven't forgotten the, the, the last Bakugan game <laughs> that WayForward made last year. <laughs> right. Was that last year? I think that was 2020. Was I think it? That, I think it's, it was it's 2020. Still, it still feels like it's breathing the, <laughs> on the back of my neck. <laughs> yeah, but man. so way forward does have a history of kind of phoning it in with licensed games. However, this is a 
this is going to be like a first party Nintendo release and way forward does still have a ton of, a ridiculous amount of talent working at that studio. So I am still very confident the game is going to be very good when it does ultimately release whenever that may be. Hopefully it's still within 2022. Yeah. We'll obviously keep you guys updated when there is a new release date for the game. Uh, I think it's going to be great too. I mean, look, I'm going to buy it. I'm just saying if you, if you guys love advance wars, I would highly recommend supporting this and, you know, telling Nintendo, Hey, Please don't abandon this if you don't want them to abandon it. Vote with your wallet with this game and um, pick it up because it may be your last chance, honestly, with this series. I'm really down for that uh, Splatoon variant of yours, though. I'd love to see Nintendo make that. Yeah, dude. But um, anyway, moving into, you know, slightly brighter waters, uh, we've got a couple of headlines Coming out of Mario Day, Eric. What? Stuff happened on Mario Day? Say it isn't so. (laughs) Say it ain't so. Yeah, we of course got a a few sales that were going on, some of which actually are going through the weekend at participating retailers. You can grab uh, significant discounts, rare discounts, by the way, on Mario-related titles, things like Luigi's Mansion, New Super Mario Bros. U., um, some really great stuff. If you haven't, you know, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. If you if you somehow Mario haven't Rabbit's those, Kingdom Battle yeah. is ten bucks. People, come on! If you if you wouldn't spend ten dollars on that game on the eShop, we can't be friends anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> if we haven't sang the praises of that game enough on the show. But uh, something that was kind of actually prematurely revealed, like the day before, <laughs> Lego. And they did this before, actually. They did this before um, with yeah. Lego Super Mario. They they accidentally leaked it like a day or two in advance. But uh, true to form, Lego prematurely revealed a Peach's Castle playset. And then we, of course, got the proper reveal the morning of Mario Day. So the set is launching August 1st. Uh, it comes with Lego Princess Peach, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it, it's a Peach's Castle playset, which includes like, it's got Bowser, it's got Toadette, um, it's got Ludwig, it's got a bob a Goomba, and then it's got the little Peach's Castle mini set. You've got a couple of expansion sets. There's a Yoshi themed one, which is weird because we've already had multiple Yoshi themed expansions. <laughs> um, and then there's one based on Mario 3D World with Kamek and, uh, cat Peach suits and a, uh, and a cat Goomba enemy there so pretty cool that stuff's coming out on august 1st so get your princess peach on yeah seth's already bought five (laughs) i probably it's going to depend they haven't revealed pricing yet that's going to be the thing how much is that princess peach starter course going to cost because normally the the standard mario starter set and the luigi's mansion starter set was like in the 60 dollar range but this comes with like bowser and ludwig and the whole castle and toadette so like it's this absolutely is absolutely going to be $100 that's what it's i'm saying absolutely going to be 100 it's going to be much more expensive than the other sets you know what i mean so we'll we'll see that's what that's what's going to make it or break it for me cuz i've i've tried to illustrate restraint with this stuff i can't break the bank spending all my money on this stuff but uh, we'll see. I do want the Lego Princess Peach. She's adorable. To be fair, though, the, the castle does look really good. Oh, yeah. The castle does look really good. And I wonder if Princess Peach is going to have just as much. I imagine she's going to have just as much functionality as Mario and Luigi. And I'd be very right. interested to see what a lot of that entails and a lot of the interesting little Easter eggs. Because that's another one of the cool things they've done with the Lego Mario is 
like the little Easter eggs and the little secret things that you can do with Mario and Luigi. I'm I'm interested to see what they do with Princess Peach in that regard. So if you're a big Lego Super Mario fanatic, these uh, these are going to be must own for many, many people out there. And I apologize to all of your wallets prematurely <laughs> yeah they haven't announced it yet but i'm sure just like with uh with most of these big news lego super mario waves we're probably going to wind up getting a new wave of blind bag enemies yep. and we're probably going to get another wave of uh, power suits for princess peach herself so uh, those haven't been revealed yet but i do expect to see that as we get closer to august so yeah i mean look i'm looking forward to it i'm, I'm probably going to wind up picking it up I I don't know. I've been able. I know you have been kind of going nuts, especially when they first launched a lot of that Super Mario. I'm Lego trying stuff, not but to. I'm trying to be good. <laughs> I know, but I I know that you, with all your you know stuff, I know yeah. the certain things that you dive headfirst into. But me, yeah. I really think that as as cool as it is, I think I'm gonna have to save my money just a little bit because I really want. I really want to be there opening day for when Super Nintendo World opens next year. Yeah, in Hollywood. Yeah, man. I, I've been we've been kind of waiting on because they they indefinitely delayed the uh, the Florida development, which is what I was. You know, that's closer to my neck of the woods and very close to your neck of the woods. So, yeah, almost literally my backyard. Yeah, so I've been I've been kind of waiting on news on that, but yeah, that was another reveal for Mario Days that Universal Studios Hollywood is actually opening up their Super Nintendo World next year, way closer than I think most people were expecting. Yeah, I'm gonna buy so much merch. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna buy so much merch. The gift shop is gonna have to restock just because of me. <laughs> right. I'm gonna spend so so much money when I go there. But yeah, that was we we kind of expected going into Mario Day each and every year. You kind of expect a few things. We were expecting maybe a movie trailer. We were expecting possibly news on a forthcoming game. I was not expecting to hear that we were getting a new Super Nintendo World next year uh, on the West Coast. Really, really excited. This will be the first. I'm pretty sure the first video game themed park in America when it does wind up opening next year, hopefully next year, hopefully that doesn't get delayed. But right. You know, when you and I finally get to visit Super Nintendo World stateside, that is definitely going to be worth the wait. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. I mean, like you, that's oh, that's going to be a lot of money spent. I my <laughs> yeah, wallet's so already money. my wallet is already like recoiling in fear just thinking about it. But I, I mean, look, I'd like to take the trip out to Hollywood and be there opening day and see all the <laughs> stuff. I, I wonder if it's going to open with the new Donkey Kong stuff that Japan's getting. So I don't know. We'll see. I can just imagine you and I leaving the park. It's like, Eric, did you really have to spend $40 on a shiny blue shell hat? Like, don't <laughs> at me, Seth. Don't at $40, me. $40. That's cheap. That's, that's a $60 hat. At least we're talking Probably. universal studios, baby. <laughs> but, uh, this past Wednesday, Sony of course held their PlayStation state of play. And these are always weird. I decided to watch it because it was like, you know, I have a PS5. I never play it, but I have it. So I might as well. This is relevant to me now. But it's always, you know, you kind of, you pick through it a little bit just to see if you could find some some Switch-related scraps. Are any of these games announced coming to Switch? And sure enough, 
some of them are. Yeah, I certainly didn't know what Sony was going to be showing off at this week's State of Play. There's a lot of known quantities forthcoming. We know about God of War. I thought maybe they were going to show off God of War. Maybe some DLC for, uh, I was about to say Breath of the Wild, for her uh, Horizon <laughs> <laughs> Forbidden West. But we did get a couple kind of interesting announcements. By far, the most interesting announcement came out of Konami because... Not only are we getting TMNT Shredder's Revenge this year from Dutimu, who is on what looks to be a legendary hot streak this year, but like we're getting 11 other TMNT games this year in the TMNT Kawabunga collection releasing. Uh, We know 2022, we haven't heard much outside of that, but we do know that this year we will be getting... Turtles in Time and Tournament Fighters and the original arcade game and the original NES game and even some Game Boy. Uh, it's so cool, Seth. And oh, oh, yes, I'll take 10 of those. And yet another amazing looking collection. Yet another amazing looking collection. You know, we were talking about collections just a few weeks ago, and it feels like ever since then, the number of collections announced for it in the Nintendo Switch has just ramped up. We've got the Capcom Fighting Collection. We've got the uh, Namco. We've got the the Pac-Man Museum Plus. And now we've got this stunning, stunning looking TMNT game collection. I'm basically going to be playing exclusively game collections for the foreseeable future. (laughs) I mean, the fact that this has TMNT Turtles in Time is already amazing. Yeah. But this actually has got all three versions of Tournament Fighters, which is crazy crazy yes yes and i actually spoke very briefly to stefan frost from digital eclipse who's uh you know who who's handling a lot of the duties on this game and they did confirm that uh the super nintendo version of tournament fighters will be online there are four games from the collection that are online and those four games are going to be the tmnt arcade game turtles in time the arcade version the hyperstone heist and the super nintendo version of tmnt tournament fighters they said they actually wanted to try to ensure as many online players as possible quote unquote Uh, so they just focused on the one version for online so even though there's three pretty disparate pretty uh, different versions of tournament fighters the super nintendo version is going to be the only version that is online although i do think that was the right decision to make that one the online version but just having having even if all, even if the only online was Turtles in Time, that's the game that needed to have online play in this collection. Being able to play TMNT Turtles in Time online is going to be uh, amazing. Yeah, and to have a physical version coming for this, I mean, and it's only going to be forty dollars. You know, it's also got the classic quality of life stuff, save states, rewind. You rewind, know. yeah. So I would I, say don't try that online. That's not going to work. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is awesome. And Konami's been killing it with the collections lately. Dude, between this and Shredder's Revenge, you could very yeah. easily just play Turtles games this entire year. Especially since Shredder just got added to Nick All-Stars Brawl and there's probably going to be even more Turtles characters added to that game. It's been a good year to be a fan of the Heroes in a Half Shell. Yeah, and I guess it's also a good year to be a JoJo fan, huh? Tell, tell me about this JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game. I actually am not familiar <laughs> with this, but people are excited about this. Yeah, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is an incredibly, uh, well, frankly, bizarre anime that 
is kind of the definition of cult classic, at least here in the West. It, in, uh, it has to do with these characters who have kind of persona-esque avatars that they can summon to give them extra power in a fight that they're called stands. Hmm. Oh, is that where the but, stand thing comes from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Man. so these characters have these weird magical avatars they can summon called stands, and each one has different abilities that can give the stand user different abilities, and there's vampires and many different generations. It's it's bizarre. It is aptly named, folks. And they had a fantastic, fantastic fighting game back on the PlayStation 1, but they released JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle on the PlayStation 3. Right. I think they sold like 400 some odd copies. As a matter <laughs> right. of fact, as a matter of fact, I actually own one of them. I am a proud owner of the very limited edition physical release of the American version of the PlayStation 3 JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle. Nice. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at it on my shelf. It's one of the few PS3 games I still own. Do kind of wonder how much those are going for these days. I might have to check that out. I'm not selling it though. I'm absolutely keeping that. But yeah, but, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R is coming this fall to the Nintendo Switch. It's a really weird 3D, not quite arena-based fighting game. It's bizarre. I mean, that's the word that just keeps coming up with this franchise, with this IP. It's just bizarre. Uh, I do recommend kind of checking it out a little bit. It's definitely going to be one of those cult hit fighting games i think when it releases and i am glad that this game is finding a bigger audience i know that there's like 50 some odd playable characters in the title i don't remember how many were in the ps3 version of the game but i do uh, i do have to imagine that they are going to be making a few substantial improvements over the original ps3 version uh, over the original ps3 release of the title so i'll be very interested to see what all they've added and everything that they've decided to enhance or remaster or rejig for this forthcoming Nintendo switch release. Yeah. I I've, I've never played. I didn't even know this is a thing. So this is really cool. More, more fighting games equals happy Eric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't one of my favorite fighting games, but it was really unique and it certainly has its own niche. It definitely has its own place and it's going to have its own audience. And I do think that this release is going to expose a lot of people to Jojo here in the West. I do think it's going to expose a lot of people, maybe even to fighting games. So we shall see Jojo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R coming sometime in the fall. Nice, nice. Well, we had a couple of situations in this state of play, and I think the general consensus of it was like, eh, whatever. We're not, not here to talk about the state of play itself, but there were a couple moments in there where it was like, they announced one thing and it turned out to be something else. Like, the state of play opened with this thing that everybody was like, is this Dino Crisis? And then it wound up being like, what was it called? Like Exo Extinction or some junk or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> not dino crisis <laughs> yeah it's like what was that called it was that state of decay that one with like the wave of zombies that's constantly coming after you with uh, sam witwer oh that's days like gone that. days gone days yeah. gone the i actually like that game it was a good game but it seems like an almost days gone slash anthem you know title with dinosaurs for some reason thrown into the mix in mass it just looks really weird and not in a good way. 
Uh, I mean, obviously, we're probably not going to have much to say about it outside of this because I seriously doubt this no. game is coming anywhere near the Nintendo Switch. No, but yeah, uh, yeah, I got to say this this was not Capcom's strongest showing. IMO. No, the the only reason I bring it up at all is because we had another moment like that later in the state of play where this trailer begins to roll for this strategy, this tactics-based strategy RPG. And I mean, I'm telling you, I, I was literally watching live chat as, as this was happening live. Everybody thought that this was a new Final Fantasy Tactics game. Everybody thought it was. And then, you know, it seemed like a slam dunk the the title screen begins to come on it does the it literally even does the thing that final fantasy does with their title splashes where it'll show like a silhouette and then just sort of the text will sort of fill in and then when the text fills in it's not final fantasy tactics it's the diofield chronicle which is a selection of half words <laughs> So it they, doesn't it just feel like Square is going out of their way to make sure their legendary RPG IPs no longer appear on consoles? It's so like funny. Be- between that and the Chrono Trigger thing that happened this past week. Yeah. And the fact that the Final Fantasy HD 2D remakes are still bafflingly have not been announced for console yet. Doesn't it just feel like Square is just going out of its way to keep its legendary RPGs from ever showing up on a console again? It was just a situation where I was like, you guys could have literally just called this Final Fantasy Tactics and you would have sold a million more copies just from the name recognition. So for this to come out and be an original IP, I think is so strange. The game looks fine. Like, I don't have anything against the game, but I just, I was like, how is this not a Final Fantasy Tactics game? Just seems but super tough. That's deaf. the problem is it's, I mean, that for all intents and purposes, it's just not Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Yeah, and that's going to be the story, I think, of the game, regardless of its quality. I think a lot of people are going to look at it and be like, well, this should just be Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> so, But anyway, the Diofield Chronicle is coming to Switch uh, when it releases later this year. So um, it's been a banger of a year already for you know strategy RPGs. We've got you know Triangle Strategy that just came out, Advance Wars coming out eventually. We've got this, we've got Mario plus Rabbids. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of strategy games kind of vying for your time and vying for your dollar. So I don't know if, uh, the Diofield Chronicle is going to stand out, but we'll see. I don't know. It just, Square seems to be making a lot of really baffling decisions, but then on the other hand, they, they seem to also be making some really obvious, really good, really big decisions. Yeah, so this is something that we talked about pretty in depth recently on the show uh, when, you know, very prolifically Gilva Sunner's YouTube channel was taken down with all that Nintendo music. Um, This was then uh, sort of compounded by the Pokemon company basically immediately afterwards releasing the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl sound selection website. And now the latest in sort of companies making their music widely available uh, Square Enix has released the Square Enix Music Channel, which is a YouTube channel that currently has about six thousand tracks, um, spanning. A, I mean, it's not it's not completely comprehensive. There are some notable omissions, but I mean, the vast majority of Square Enix's legendary catalog and all of that music is now available to listen to completely for free off of their YouTube channel. They've got things like mood mixes. They've got like, you know, this is our Christmas playlist, you know, some custom like mood mixes and playlists on there. And uh, it's just one of those things where 
it just leaves me scratching my head. I'm like, this is so easy to do. It makes so much sense. And it's making them money because it's monetized. They're just going to make money off of the views on the videos. What's not clicking, Nintendo? Well, obviously, we talked about how Nintendo almost kind of seems to be testing the waters with stuff like this. We may even be talking about that here in just a moment. So uh, the Diamond and Pearl soundtracks got uploaded uh, recently. We covered that here on the show a while back. I do very much hope that these kind of toe dips in the pool ultimately lead to Nintendo just diving headfirst into, you know, just really expanding on a lot of the stuff that they really should be doing anyway. And I've got to admit, yes, there are some notable omissions from Square's music catalog right now, but they released like, what, 6,000 songs? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And still immediately were people like, well, where's this? Why isn't this here? There's not enough. I'm like, they literally just released 6,000 tracks. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to be adding to it. Give it a second before you complain (laughs) about it not being good enough. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to be adding to it. The entire Final Fantasy series has got representation um, here on this channel. Um, The, the, you know, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, the Saga series uh, is on here. You know, it's 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 just an embarrassment of riches here on this channel. And uh, even to include, like, weird Final Fantasy offshoots, speaking of Chocobo, the Chocobo soundtrack is on here. Um, so, there, I mean, there's a ton of playlists, near Automata, you know, amazing soundtracks and, again, Zoom mood tight. mixes and, um, yeah, <laughs> right? So there's, there's a lot going on. Octopath Traveler. Kingdom Hearts, I think, is the big notable omission here. Yeah. Um, that doesn't surprise me, especially considering they released Melody of Memories. That does not surprise me. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm sure we're going to see this get added to as time goes on. Uh, another really cool thing that they do is they have like a kind of recommended playlist thing where, um, you know, a lot of these other publishers and stuff that Square Enix works with have released this stuff also independently. So mm-hmm. Team Asano, for example, has released like a lot of the Bravely series soundtracks. So they've also sort of collaborated with them. Things like Neo, The World Ends With You soundtrack and the original World Ends With You soundtrack. Even stuff like Balan Wonderworld's original soundtrack is on here. So I respect that. The music from that yeah. game is actually pretty good. It is. It is. You got Mana series soundtrack. I mean, it's it's really it's not completely comprehensive, but it is it is fairly exhaustive. They've got a lot of stuff on here already. I'm looking forward to seeing you know what they uh, what they add to it. They've got like chill out playlists, chill out arrangement tracks. I'm looking at it right now, where it's like a chill kind of Square Enix music playlist. I mean, this is just so cool and so easy to do, and makes perfect sense. And, and again, it's just, it's doing nothing but making them money. You know, these videos already, this has been going on. They launched this just a few days ago. And at the time of this recording, they've already got tens of thousands of views, you know, uh, just from people listening to these soundtracks. So, I mean, it's just literally money on the table. And I hope, and I know we've said this before on the show, and we've talked about this issue before on the show, but like, it, it's the easiest decision Nintendo could make. It really is. I don't know. We'll see. I there's there's a lot of reasons that Nintendo may not want to. I had I don't know what those reasons could be, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on uh, behind the scenes at big corporations and a lot of people that need to be made happy and a lot of people that have a lot of pull. So I have no clue what's going on with that. I'm sure that idea has been floated a lot. I'm sure that has been talked about a lot at Nintendo. So I, I've got to imagine there's 
at least a halfway decent reason they haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. But I just hope whatever that reason is, it becomes a non-issue sooner rather than later. We will certainly see. Um, but moving out of the world of Square Enix and into the world of Monster Hunter, Eric. Doesn't Monster Hunter just feel like a Square Enix game, though? It kind of does. It kind of does. I could see that. You know what? I could see that. I'll give you that. Um, but of course, it's a Capcom series, not a Square Enix series. Maybe we'll see some uh, Square Enix collaboration or something at some point. That'd be cool. But That would um, be really cool. I mean, we only have a week to wait. I was going to say, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll see some kind of announcement in that regard at this new Monster Hunter Rise presentation that's happening next Tuesday. Now, they've said it's going to be focusing on the upcoming Sunbreak expansion. Of course it is. Of course it is. Got to imagine we're going to get a date because it's been kind of soft dated for this summer. But um, yeah, we got it's going to be 20 minutes in length, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. We absolutely adore Monster Hunter Rise. We haven't been able to play it too, too much recently, but still Seth and I have put dozens and dozens and let me check dozens of hours into this <laughs> game since it's come out. You and I have battled more monsters than we could even ballpark at this point. And we've had a blast the entire time. We've gotten online with some of our friends and just hunted to our heart's delight. And I cannot wait for Sunbreak to come out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of new monsters they're going to show off. I'm sure they may even, may even, possibly, hopefully, fingers crossed, announce a few more awesome collaborations. Those are honestly what have been keeping me going for a while, is just seeing what nuts content they're going to add to this game. Monster Hunter's already nuts, but being able to hunt monsters with Amaterasu from Okami or Rush from the Mega Man series or Hunt as Akuma from the Street Fighter series is just so unbelievably cool. And all the uh, collabs that they had with Monster Hunter World, just seeing what they could possibly do. Of course, Sonic, just seeing what they could possibly do in the near future makes me incredibly excited just to see. Uh, they've been adding content, mostly event quests but they've been still continuing to add content at a steady pace to this game since it's come out not necessarily massive content drops anymore but they have been constantly updating and constantly supporting monster hunter rise since its release a year ago now so uh i expect big things from sunbreak and this presentation next week yeah, I can't wait. That's happening next week, Tuesday the 15th at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Also, keep in mind, daylight savings. So, you know, be, be prepared to adjust for that. <laughs> but that is happening at that time next week. So, look forward to it. Calling it right now, Ace Attorney crossover, Ace Attorney collab. That just need, that that needs the fact that that hasn't happened, especially with Great Ace Attorney. <laughs> the fact that that doesn't hasn't happened yet is is an incredible an incredible omission in this game. That needs to be resolved. <laughs> that would be really cool. That would be so. Just I uh, please don't do a collab with that new Dino game of yours, Capcom, because I think that would be really awkward. <laughs> just have a bunch of Jagras come out of a portal and. You know, flood the uh, the the uh, flooded sanctuary or whatever, just all over the place. Why not have, have like that anthem looking armor as Laird armor in the game? Like <laughs> uh, nobody nobody wants that. Capcom, please don't do that. We didn't ask for that. Don't give us that. But uh, if you want to try out Monster Hunter Rise, if you somehow have not played the game yet, if you're not one of the millions of people who have bought it, it actually is the latest game 
to join the free game trials on Nintendo Switch Online. Free to play for Nintendo Switch Online subscribers through the 17th. I do think that is really intelligent because you're going to have people play the game this weekend leading up to the announcement of a ton more content for the game right as the trial is ending. So you're essentially, you know, you're giving people the full version of the game as it is right now. But then at the very tail end of that trial period, you're saying, look at all this awesome extra stuff that's going to be available in just a few months. What a genius ploy. What a great way to get people to uh, to lay their money down to make sure they don't miss out on that. You know, <laughs> it, it may be like very pain pointy. It may be very, you know, FOMO. It may be a little kind of uh, underhanded, but I, I do kind of respect the game there. The free trials have been something that uh, we've been seeing a lot more lately. They, they've been doing it. It used to be kind of rare, and now it's happening basically on a monthly basis. So, I mean, this this is really cool. Nintendo seems to be uh, much more keen to support NSO in general. Obviously, we just got the expansion pack, and um, we just got uh, we just talked last week about the new My Nintendo rewards that they added, and the icons, the custom icons you can do now, and the platinum coins and all of this. And then on Sunday... They drop a 2.0 update to the NSO mobile app, and it's not a big one, but like it does kind of give players more options. You can do things like change your online status from the app, um, see what your friends are doing, have access to your friends list. It streams, you know, streamlines the overall design of the app and everything. And I just think it kind of shows that now that we're in the fifth year of Nintendo Switch, Nintendo is kind of focused on giving NSO like a, a bit of a refresh and a, a new focus. I hope so, because this is exactly what we were talking about a few minutes ago uh, in regards to, you know, some really easy user decisions that Nintendo Mm -hmm. can and should be making. Uh, You know, if if you're not going to have a huge Nintendo dedicated music channel, at least do more stuff like this, at least enhance you know, the app at least enhance the Nintendo Switch with themes or folders or more stuff along with these these really cool platinum coin icons that they added in last week. So, you know, they're, it's it feels like a baby step uh, process for them, but there's, I mean, they're still moving forward with this. There's still a lot of stuff I think we need to see in this regard, especially from Nintendo, especially considering that everything that Sony and Microsoft have already been doing for years in this regard. It feels almost as if Nintendo is reticent to kind of catch up in that regard, but they're, they're still slowly, slowly, but surely moving forward bit by bit, not as fast as I would like, but at least they're not standing still anymore. And we'll see what happens with that moving forward. But, you know, kind of looking back a little bit, especially on this past week, even though, uh, we're having to wait for a few more things. We uh, The wait has ended for several notable releases this week. We've already talked about Chocobo GP. That released just a couple days ago on the Nintendo Switch, exclusively for the Nintendo Switch for at least right now. The Lite version is available to download absolutely free right now. So you can, you can check out the game, play the prologue of the story mode, engage in the Chocobo GP online battle royale format. So a pretty good way to see whether or not this is going to be a game you're going to want to drop the full uh, full retail value on. Just again, do be aware, a lot of microtransactions, just a yeah. lot of them, just so much of them. 
In addition to that, a game that we've kind of had our eye on for quite some time released this past week, Aztec Forgotten Gods came yeah. out on the Nintendo Switch. I want to play this. I want to now. Admittedly, it's gotten some kind of lukewarm reception. We haven't had a chance to check it out ourselves yet. Uh, I've wishlisted it. I, I really want to check it out. It's it's on my to do list, and I I still think the game looks really cool. I know it's gotten some kind of tepid reviews, but um, I still think it looks really interesting. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you got to play the game yourself. But right, uh, if we get around to that, we will definitely let you guys know what we think. There's just so much to play, though, because in addition to those, we got Republic Anniversary Edition on the Nintendo Switch this past week. Ah, yes. I actually really enjoyed this game. So for those who don't know what Republic is, um, this is a game from a small indie studio that was founded by the producer of the Metal Gear Solid series. Um, Here in America, a guy by the name of Ryan Payton. Um, He started off this this, uh, kind of offshoot independent studio that uh, produced this game Republic, and it's very similar to Metal Gear. It's kind of like a stealth game. And uh, it actually initially came out on mobile devices forever ago. I didn't even realize that the game was old enough to be getting an anniversary edition, but here it is, getting an anniversary edition on the Nintendo Switch. So that was really cool to see. I wasn't expecting that. You know what? I've never actually played the game. I might have to find some time to try it out this weekend because that's one of those things. I don't really get into a lot of stealth games, but there's a couple that have always piqued my interest, and that was one of them. So I may have to find some time for it. Uh, I don't know, though, because Dotimu just released Young Souls as well. Young Souls just came out from Dotimu and the Arcade Crew. So, oh, man. We'll see. Dotimu, again, just on... This is going to be a banner year for them. I know I've said it a few times already, but just looking at the games that have already come out, looking at the games that they still have yet to release this year, I just take a victory lap already, guys. Come on. Yeah, Young Souls was a game that I played for Steam Next Fest last year and thoroughly was impressed by the demo. And uh, we want to send a huge thanks to the folks at the Arcade Crew for providing us a uh, review copy of the game to check out. So we will definitely be playing that over the course of this weekend and seeing what the deal is with the final version of Young Souls on the Nintendo Switch. That I was As I was playing this game, I think I even mentioned this on the show when I talked about the Steam Next Fest demo. I was like, this is an Eric game. This is like a Castle Crashers kind of thing. You know, this is an Eric game. So <laughs> I, I think you're particularly really going to like Young Souls. So thanks again, Arcade Crew, for letting us check it out. I'm sure I'm going to like it, although something came out this week that just, you want to talk about an Eric game that just absolutely speaks to the child in me, that just absolutely <laughs> speaks to little five, six-year-old Eric, because I played this back when I was young. I, I don't know if you did, Seth. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> but Chex, Chex Mix ran a promotion with their Chex cereal, I think, back in the day, mm-hmm. to where you could get a free version of of what was effectively a modded version of Doom. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could get Chex Quest in select uh, cereal boxes from Chex Mix. And again, it just the fact that it exists, the fact that a version of Doom exists out there that is just all about breakfast cereal, Chex Mix, there was just something so 
perfectly 90s about that. And the game, because it, again, is just a modded version of Doom, is oddly fun. Oh, yeah. I I loved it when I was a kid because it was like, it was the kind of, you know, look, I I grew up in a very Christian household. Like, we we were watching VeggieTales and Bible Man and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Oh, Bible Man. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So Chuck's Quest is kind of like, you know, the kid-friendly, you know, version of Doom. The version of Doom that you could play in front of your parents and not have to sneak off to your friend's house to play. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the anti-Conquer's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's very much, it's got that kind of, you know, not quite edutainment, but it's definitely the kid-friendly, you know, it was, it was a cereal box pack-in, again, with Chex cereal. And look, the, the digital version of Chex Quest HD, which I still can't even believe is a thing that exists, uh, it's only $5. So, you know. And they've added a bunch of new playable characters into the game. They've given it a complete visual overhaul. This is very much kind of in the same vein as that Sly Fox and what is it? Peter Putt and, you know, Frank Fish or whatever those kids PC games are that they just released on the Nintendo Switch a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, this is very much in that exact same vein. Although for me, because I wish I still had my copy of Chex Quest because it is just kind of this weird, obscure relic. This weird, forgotten relic from gaming history. I do wish I still had that. But just remembering that from my childhood, I I can't imagine there's going to be too many people under the age of 35 that are going to have any interest at all in buying Chex Quest HD. (laughs) That's certainly. I certainly count myself among the group that will be buying it. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, yeah, that's it's one of those things, man. You just you just got it's five dollars and it and it makes you feel like a kid again. Why not? <laughs> Why not? But the final notable release we're gonna shout out here at the end is of course F Zero X. Added Thursday night to the Nintendo 64 NSO app. Just incredibly excited that Nintendo remembered that the franchise exists. And hopefully I said this a little earlier, if Nintendo can somehow keep stats, if they can somehow see the amount of hours that people are playing this game, like just pump hours into F-Zero X. We need to find a way to show Nintendo that we want more of it. It baffles me that the last game in the F-Zero franchise came out back on the GameCube, friends, on the GameCube. This will not stand. It probably will, but I don't want it to stand. (laughs) I agree. Bring back F-Zero in some capacity, please. Yes. What about you guys? Would you guys love to see a brand new F-Zero game? Do you have any thoughts at all about the goings on in the world of Nintendo over this past week? You know, let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at All In Podcast, on Twitter at All In Podcast. Join us. Join the community over on Discord. Join the conversation. You can also follow us on YouTube.com slash AllInPodcast on Twitch.tv slash AllInPodcast. That's where we're going to be racing the brand new Mario Kart courses here in just a few days. Make sure to follow us there. Also, go figure, we have a podcast. Did you know that, Seth? I didn't know that. We do indeed. We do have an actual Nintendo variety show called All In, a Nintendo podcast, which you can like, follow, and subscribe to over on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podchaser. And if you like what you're hearing, if you think this is actually a halfway decent show, mostly Martinez did, and he seems like a trustworthy person. But if you think we deserve it, you can. You can drop some words just like mostly Martinez did on iTunes. You can do that on iTunes, on Podchaser, and on Audible. And on Spotify, you can rate us 
a shining, shimmering, splendid five stars. We appreciate it so much. Another Disney reference. Another Disney reference. reference. We appreciate it so much. It means the world to us. Helps us so much with visibility on the show. And again, if you do drop some words, I will shout them out at the beginning of the episode. But once again, and as always, guys, genuinely, seriously, no kidding. Thank you all from the bottom of our hearts for hanging out with us each and every Saturday and making us part of your weekly rotation. Namaste. Namaste indeed, Eric. And I know we've already talked a lot about Mario Day. We're going to have plenty more to say about Mario later in the show, but we definitely did not want to gloss over the fact that this past Tuesday was, of course, International Women's Day. Yes, it absolutely was. And it was really nice to see so many different posts and so many different people coming out in celebration of International Women's Day uh, on gaming Twitter. I saw a lot more than I frankly thought I would. Uh, And and that was really cool. Obviously, uh, you and I have been blessed to know a ton of insanely talented uh, women. Mm -hmm. Just throughout the course of doing this show, we've met and interacted with so many insanely talented women, so many incredible, so many incredible women within this industry that we knew for this week's Indie Showcase, we had to bring you all a very, very special game. And in keeping with the theme of being worth the wait. This is actually a game that Seth and I have been waiting since we started doing this show. We've been waiting for the perfect time to showcase this amazing title. And finally, we're doing it today. Ladies and gentlemen, our indie showcase this week for International Women's Day is Gris. Yeah, talk about a game being worth the wait. I mean, we have been looking for the perfect opportunity to talk about this. And man, I I mean, worth the wait is like an understatement. This game is amazing. It's so, so good. Although admittedly, I mean, is it a game? Is Gris a (laughs) video game? Because you genuinely could very accurately describe it as an interactive piece of art, frankly. When it comes to, you know, that old argument of are our video games even a legit art form there's always been a few games that have stood as champions of the industry of games as art i would genuinely put gris among that pantheon yeah yeah and i mean the game cites inspirations like journey and ori in the blind forest i mean the the game is in very good company for the sort of games's art argument uh the game of course did win the 2019 game award for games for impact it was robbed for best art direction but absolutely (laughs) robbed for best art direction by who won who won the the winner of best art direction in the 2019 game awards was control no i mean no come on on. i'm retroactively mad (laughs) i disagree (laughs) with that assessment No, congratulations to the Game Award for Games for Impact, but you were totes robbed for Best Art Direction, my word. And and I mean, Games for Impact is an appropriate award for this game to win, though. And and one of the reasons that we're covering this for International Women's Day isn't just simply because, oh, you know, you see the key art, the protagonist is a woman, you know. No, that's not why we, it's not that simple. Um, The game, and, and, you know, we had known about this game for a while, and and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, gotten all kinds of critical acclaim, but the game is 
a woman's story, a real woman's story about, you know, overcoming uh, great loss, depression, grief, and, and rising strength and perseverance. So this is such an empowering game about a woman's experience. And uh, I, I think it's so, so special. Yeah, the entire... I mean, the entire onus behind making this game was to create the story of a woman overcoming. Yeah. And if it sounds like we're being purposefully vague, there's a reason for that. It's because a lot of that iconography, a lot of that imagery, and a lot of the narrative beats of this game are purposefully vague and even surreal to the point where you can very easily interpret it as so, so many different meanings. I mean, before we even started recording, Seth and I were talking about this game a little bit, and we were talking about just the different ways that we had interpreted it, uh, you know, completely uh, irrespective of other ways that people had interpreted it. The number of different narratives that people have inferred from this game is so vast and so varied, and yet similarly universally powerful across the spectrum. And it's so incredible to see something like that. And and I, and I love that about this game because, you know, just as you said at the top, the game really is like an interactive piece of art and like good art, everybody takes away something different from it. So it's, it's just like when you, you know, go to an art gallery and you look at a painting on the wall and somebody says, Oh, I see this. And somebody else might say, I see that. Gris is very similar where people are going to take away different things and, and the game's story is told intentionally vaguely um, to to elicit that sort of response through the art. It's beautiful. Yeah, but obviously when you talk about Gris, I think the first thing that a lot of people immediately think of, at least people who have seen anything about the game, is that incredibly striking art style. There's a reason we said this game was robbed for best art direction. The game looks absolutely stunning it's got this incredible i I told you it kind of reminded me of the old windsor mckay little nemo and slumberland Mm -hmm. uh comics there's this uh what what were you comparing it to well yeah the, the game reminds me a lot as i was playing it i i got a couple of things just really immediately first of all the artwork of an of an artist named ivan earl really um, came to mind. He's the concept artist that did the backgrounds and the concept art for Sleeping Beauty for Disney. Um, And just the way that he does like certain little flourishes in his art, the kind of square trees, the, the, the very like meticulous detail in the backgrounds, like little tiny things are like that. That reminded me so much of his art, but then also like the sort of medieval French impressionist animation style Things like Gris's spindly legs reminded me of it. Um, you know, things like the the way her face is animated in cutscenes reminded me of it. It was calling to mind things like um, Child of Light, which was done by a French animation team from Ubisoft. Which actually, now that I'm thinking yeah. about it, the developers actually are ex Ubisoft developers. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the art direction. The art was done by an incredibly talented artist by the name of Conrad Rosé, and the way that he came to work on this game was really interesting because you know, speaking of Child of Light. And Ubisoft, uh, the studio, the official studio that made this game called Nomada Studios, another game published by Devolver Digital. I guess we're just huge Devolver Digital fans over here all in. But it was made by a studio named Nomada Studio, created from ex-Ubisoft 
employees. As a matter of fact, the three men all met at a going away party for one of them. The two ex-Ubisoft employees are uh, were Roger Mendoza and Adrian Cuevas. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies if I didn't. But Cuevas was going to Montreal to work on Rainbow Six Siege. And Mendoza and Cuevas had always internally talked about making their own game together, about making an indie game, but they weren't artists. They didn't have that kind of artistic flair to be able to bring that to a game. And then at the going away party, where presumably Quavas and Mendoza were just like, you know what? It's too bad we were never able to get that idea off the ground. That would have been really cool, wouldn't it? Conrad Rosé, I guess, just walks up to them and says, hey, good to meet you guys. My name's Conrad. I'm an artist. And ironically enough, I've always wanted to work on a video game. Presumably light bulbs all around. I love that. I love that story so much because like it just... It's just one of those things where like it just right place, right time. And this beautiful piece of art uh, rose from it. Um, And yeah, yeah. you heard that right. All their pronouns were he. Right. Yeah. And and this is, I mean, that was one of the things when the credits began to roll, I was expecting to see, um, you know, directed by a a woman because it's such a powerful woman story. But um but no, yeah, these these this team is made up of of men, and um, I, I just think that one one of my favorite things about this game is the way that you know me as a as a male, you know, playing the game, being able to interpret stuff from this game's story, and being able to see the world through Gris's eyes was you know such a powerful experience for me. It's it's unlike anything else I've ever played. Yeah, just just watching the environment and just watching everything that this character goes through. It's just so visually arresting the entire time. It's not something you even really play. It's a game you basically experience. That's the best way I can describe it is it's an interactive experience. I still fight with myself on whether or not I actually call it a video game. I mean, it is, but it's so much more than that. There's a reason it won games for impact at the 2019 game awards. The, Everything that's going on all the time, the details, and of course, I'm a huge detail-centric guy. This is something I've always said, is anybody can make something good. It's the details that make it great, and man, do these guys worry about the details. It's so incredible. All the different subtleties that are going on, both visually and from an audio perspective, just different subtle shifts in both visual and audio uh, cues. It's just so incredible to watch and the pace of the game being able to, you know, I love the fact that there's no real fail states in the game. You can't really fail, which for purest video game players, there's not really a challenge here, but that's not the point of this game. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the things that, was constantly in my head as I was playing it with with the pacing, the lack of any sort of fail state or whatever, is that it means that the game feels incredibly organic. Like, this is a puzzle platformer. You know, if you were to distill it down to its base components, you know, it's about, you know, going in a direction on a 2D plane, doing some puzzle solving and platforming. That's what the game is. But, like the way it all just sort of the world just sort of grows and unfolds around you so naturalistically. I never felt lost the entire time I played it. 
I, I never had any sort of like, there, there was no sense of like, I, I don't know where I should go next or anything like that. It just felt incredibly, the, the story felt completely organic and, and it just felt like I, you know, yeah, there wasn't any sort of like challenge or threat of danger or whatever, but the, the way I, I was just able to make my way through this story with no real hiccups. Like I, I don't know that there was ever too many moments where I had to like stop, you know, like it just, it just felt like I was just really making my way through her story. Yeah. And this is not a story necessarily that's going to take you a long time. This is probably just going to take you around three hours, but the flow of the game yeah. certainly lends itself to a single sitting. I was able to beat this game very easily in just a single sitting a, because it's not that difficult, but B everything about the design of this game just keeps you wanting to move forward, not just to see what's next, but to see what the character is, you know, for their sake, what's going to happen to them next. It's so incredibly powerful and it just continues to build in that regard until the end. Yeah, and I mean, like, to, to the game's credit, too, I mean, the game could have been, the game could have had a much lighter hand gameplay-wise than it ended up having. Like, the, the game does have puzzle solving and platforming and stuff like that, and, and a little bit of, like, I wouldn't say that anything in the game is, like, a head-scratcher, but there are some things on the side, there are these little memories that you can collect on the side that actually have a little bit of challenge to them. You might have to actually stop and think if you want to collect them. And there is a reward, an additional kind of secret cutscene, a little secret ending you can unlock if you get them all. And um, that's there for you if you want a little more um, a little more gameplay teeth, I guess. But, but the game doesn't have a fail state. The game doesn't have like super duper complicated puzzles. It's, it's not that kind of game. It's not about that. It's about just experiencing the story and like just pushing through and, you know, experiencing the themes and, and just all the different environments and just experiencing it. Now, and that's not to say there's not gameplay here. They could have taken a lighter tone with it. And even the, the, the hand they took with the game when it comes to gameplay is still relatively light. Ultimately, the game is a 2D puzzle platformer. And again, a lot of the puzzles you're going to solve, they're not real head scratchers like Seth said. But one of the things I did like was each of the different chapters does bring something new, does bring a new mechanic, a mm -hmm. new motif, some new ideas to uh, the the platforming challenges and the puzzle. And that was another thing I liked is there's some puzzle elements and then there's some actual like platforming challenges that you have to, that you have to overcome as well. So the game does enough with the gameplay to keep it interesting in that regard as well. Again, nothing that's ever going to challenge necessarily hardened players, but it's just another thing that really marries up well with everything else that's going on. And it plays very, very tightly into the narrative that's being told. And the way I the reason I say that is because uh, you do wind up getting new abilities throughout the course of the game. You start with just running and jumping. But you do, uh, throughout the course of the game, you do gain several new abilities. And even these new abilities that you get, even those directly tie into the themes and into the narrative that's being told in Gris in a, in a really subtle and really impressive way, in a way that kind of reminds me about uh, the diploma from Unpacking. Yes, yes. And, and that's kind of the thing, right, is like the best parts of this game we can't tell you about. 
And I don't even mean like we can't tell you for spoilers, although that is a part of it, but the best part of the the best parts of this game are going to be the things that you're thinking about when you're playing it are going to be the, you know, the things that you're going to draw away from its mechanics and the, oh, th- this must mean this and this is what I'm taking away from this as a person. I mean, that sounds really like heady and cosmic, but like that's so much of the joy of this game. So much of what makes this game special is the way you're interacting with it. Um, it's, you know, we, we can talk about gameplay mechanics and stuff like that, but th- this game is way, way, way bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah, even the new abilities, even the new mechanics that you are going to get are specifically there to to ask to ask you questions about yeah. why they're there and about why they work that way. And again, it may sound like we're giving the game too much credit, but in fact, the developers of this game, because they wanted this to be a narrative and uh, an experience and a journey about overcoming grief and you know hardship, trauma, whatever you want to read into it. In order to best, uh, in order to really best bring that out of the game, they actually consulted with real life psychiatrists in order to find out how best to approach that. Oh, it's it's beautiful, and and again, there's just there's so much takeaway. Um, I I will say too, and this is another reason why this game is just perfect. That again, those themes of like overcoming, perseverance, you know, rising, like. I can't even tell you the ending of this game, the the last like 10, 15 minutes or so of this game is among the best I've ever seen in any video game ever. Like I'm still thinking about it. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Like it's such an incredible experience and it's one that, and I was telling you this cause we already mentioned the games, you know, you're only going to spend three, three and a half hours maybe on a playthrough of this game. And you can very easily do it in a single sitting for me. And and it's really funny that the developers compare the game to Journey and cite Journey as inspiration because when I played Journey, my first thought was, well, I don't want to play that again. Like that was my story. That was my time with that game. And I don't need to do it again. I feel the same way about Gris. And I don't mean that negatively. Like I, I have experienced Gris and I don't really want to play it again because that was my story and that was my pathway through this incredible story, you know? I completely understand. I, I admittedly feel the same way. There's a lot about the game that I just look back on and I'm still so impressed. And I, in my mind, I'm like, I, I would really like to really re-experience that. But I do also wonder whether or not retreading that old ground would cheapen the story or if it would deaden the impact a little bit. I know that seems like it might be a little too, you know, foofy, foofy, but uh, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's such a unique, such an individual type of experience. It's something that you can really only understand, I think, once you've played the game. Uh, but I do think ultimately, I do think I'm going to wind up going back to it for a few reasons. One, it's one of those things where because you can beat it in one sitting, you can almost treat it like a long movie or something. Right. And especially when it comes to something, a piece of art, a piece of surrealist art, especially that you can interpret in so many different ways and that you can infer so much meaning and so much value in yourself. I do wonder whether or not going back through, it would almost have this Rorschach type effect where I would see something and all of a sudden I start looking at it from a completely different angle. I could totally see that. Yeah, I could totally see that. I, uh, 
I, I think for me, you know, one, one of the things that I fully anticipate that I'm going to come back to with this game as, as the years go on and as I continue to think about it, because, you know, this is a game that has really sat with me uh, since finishing it. And as the years go on, the thing I think I'm going to really come back to is the music. Um, oh, oh. The, Chef's the kiss Berlinist. Chef's yeah, kiss Ber- Berlinist. Berlinist, the, the composer of this game. I mean, this, this game's soundtrack is... Uh, it's so good. I mean, like it is at once. I mean, there are moments of like relaxing serenity. Like that, I, I'm playing the game. It's like late at night. And I'm literally. It's so serene. I'm like kind of falling asleep. Not because the game's boring, but it's like so peaceful at times. Yeah. And there are moments where it works in things like a like a synth touch. There's sound design moments, like little things with Gris's footsteps in particular points that are just like so poignant and beautiful that the game, I mean, like I literally in my notes in all caps, it says that ending sequence. And a big part of that is because of the music, like the way the music is able to ramp up and just like, it's quiet in the quiet moments and it's big in the big moments. You know, it's, it's just, I immediately wanted to own this game soundtrack on vinyl, like immediately. The thing that I love, the thing that makes this game work so well, so amazingly well, in our opinion, is the fact that everything plays in to everything plays in to the bigger narrative. Everything the gameplay plays into it, the abilities that you get, the art direction, the sound design, and the soundtrack, they all help elevate what's going on in the game at that moment. All of it. Yeah. It's not just something where you have a really cool song for a soundtrack for a sequence in a game. Not only is the soundtrack amazing, but it perfectly, in an almost Fantasia-esque manner, yeah. it it perfectly is telling the story alongside the gameplay and alongside the art direction. Why didn't this game also win for best soundtrack? Why in the world did they have to give that to Death Stranding in 2019? Why couldn't this game <laughs> yeah. win best soundtrack? Well, you and I both know why Death Stranding won that, but uh, yeah, we do. You know, we do. That's all we need to say about that. But uh, love but you, yeah. I, it's uh, it's it's just so beautiful, man. And I think too, one thing that's really nice, and you know, we're talking about the game in a very heady kind of like experiential way. And that is what the game is. But uh, another thing that I appreciate about this game is that after the credits roll, if you want to kind of play it like a video game, you can, because there's like a full chapter select. If you want to go back and pick up collectible memories that you've missed, there's There's an optional collectibles. There's yeah, there's all kinds of video gamey stuff. Yeah. There's an extras menu. That's got concept art and unused music that you can go in and listen to. So, I mean, it's got, it's got video gamey stuff in there. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I completely fell for this game's story and, and just the themes. And it's just, it's just one of those pieces of art that just leaves you feeling changed. Like I just, like I, it's just put a, it's a core memory. It's like from inside out. It's like that, <laughs> this game has created a core memory. <laughs> Now these aren't these these aren't the types of indie games that we could play back to back to back to back. But every once in a while, you I think you really want a game to affect you deeply on an emotional level. There's plenty of time to have fun, and there's plenty of time to go through all kinds of whimsical little gameplay challenges and to grind out the next level in that RPG or to have you know, 64 player death matches online. But then there are times where it is perfectly fine to sit back to 
relax and just let a game take you on an emotional journey and one that may affect you deeper than you'd be willing to admit to most people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, this was one of the games every so often I'll play a game and especially a game that is really, you know, kind of a a woman's story that I immediately just want my wife to play through and get her perspective on it because I know it's going to be so different from mine and she's going to take away things that I didn't, you know, and this is one of those games. Like this is just one of those games that I immediately am just like, play this. (laughs) I want to know what you think. I mean, again, this was, this was made so strong. This was made for women frankly. And this is a game that I genuinely think every woman, everybody who identifies as a woman should Mm -hmm. play. Genuinely. I think everybody who identifies as a woman should play Gris at some point. See what you infer out of it. See what it means to you. See if it helps you overcome your trauma or your hardship. Because Seth and I have no clue, obviously, what it's like to, to go through those types of challenges that are suffered only by, uh, only by you know, the female, uh, the female sex. So to the fact that this game has affected us that deeply, I can only imagine the help or the, the, the sense of, you know, community and the sense of, Oh, it's not just me. Right. So many people could potentially get from this game. Yeah. This game was making me as I'm playing and I'm thinking of, um, other, other art that, that resonates with me, other art that's made by women. I was thinking what, one of the, the things that immediately comes to mind as I was seeing the game's ending, my, my favorite poem of all time is still I rise by Maya Angelou. And, um, that that's the kind of stuff that this game makes me think about, you know, it's it's beautiful, and I just there there could not have been a better game for us to cover for International Women's Day. Absolutely, and you know I, I know we're I know we're still kind of done, but we haven't even really kind of talked about the use of color within the oh. game and the way that's implemented. It's so so beautiful the way they continually reintroduce colors into the world, and it's almost like a splash across the canvas. It's almost like tears on parchment is something yes. that I mentioned to you. It's almost like a douse of ink in the milk. It's like this smoky kind of effect that just envelops the screen in this incredibly hypnotic way. Again, just everything about this game is so detail centric and so expertly crafted and so well done. My God, I love indie games. It is so, so good. And we definitely recommend you check out Gris. At some point, uh, there are physical versions out there, and I very proudly am an owner of the physical version of this game. This is definitely a game that I'm going to be having in my physical collection for a long time. There's several digital games that I really want to get the physical of at some point for the Nintendo Switch. There are several that I very much want in my collection, but Gris was a game I needed to have physical. I needed to have on my shelf in my collection. Yeah, this was one of those things where like you and I both owned it digitally and played it digitally. And then within 24 hours of playing it, we both also bought it physically. Yeah, true story. (laughs) True story. That happened. That happened. It's that good. It is really that good. And uh, we would definitely love to hear from you if you have played Gris from Nomada Studios and Devolver Digital. If you have, let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter. Join the conversation with us over on Discord and let us know all of your thoughts about this artistic masterpiece. 
I'm, I'm so glad we finally got around to it. I, again, this has been on our list of games to cover in the Indie Showcase since the show's inception, and it was worth the wait. Yes, and when it comes to being worth the wait, there are certainly some games on the horizon we are confident are going to be worth the wait. Obviously, we've already talked about the goings-on with Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp and the link to Ukraine and Nintendo's incredibly justified reason for pushing Mm -hmm. that back. But we've also got stuff like the Lego Skywalker saga that's been delayed to all heck that we're hopefully finally blessedly going to have our hands on soon. And hopefully one day soon, Bayonetta 3 and maybe even, maybe even someday Metroid Prime 4. Who even knows? But there have been a lot of Nintendo games in the past that have had to suffer through some crushing, crushing delays, but have come out the other side looking far better than we could have ever imagined. And this week, we're going to count down the very best in our top five. Something I've been thinking about a lot as we were kind of looking to do this list, and especially, again, we've already talked about um, everything going on with Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp and the delay there, but... I really keep coming back to this now famous quote from Shigeru Miyamoto, which is, quote, A delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad, end quote. I mean, that's that really, I think, right there in just a few words kind of exemplifies Nintendo's uh, stance on game delays. And, I mean, there are so many games that uh, eventually released after delays that were all the better for it. Yeah. Now, to be fair, there have also been games that have come out development heck, uh, definitely looking like they've been through heck. Uh, I mean, obviously, you can't really talk about something like that without bringing up Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, Very much the the poster child for development heck and coming out and absolutely falling flat on its face. But it turns out that for many, many Nintendo games... You know, the delay was just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, and to kick off our list of the top five games that were delayed but worth the wait, I mean, and we talked about this just last week on the show, so to to appease all of the, you know, the rabid (laughs) all-in fans that were furious. (laughs) Yes, we're putting it on the list. We're putting it in the top five, you heathens. (laughs) You heathens. We are finally putting The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on our list at number five. And I mean, really this just kind of exemplifies, again, we touched on it a little bit last week, but this game was initially in development for the Nintendo Wii U. They were, I mean, literally development of this game began in 2013. And I mean, you talk about a labor development from the reveals and the, you know, the dates that kept getting pushed and pushed and finally kind of showing gameplay at the 2016 Game Awards, which felt, you know, unreal and um, finally coming out on the launch of the Switch. I mean, and, and releasing to critical reception that is among the greatest in video game history. I mean, you talk about a success story with delays. Well, obviously, Breath of the Wild is one of the best regarded games in the history of the industry, and everybody is waiting with bated breath for the sequel, and I absolutely cannot wait for Breath of the Wild 2, whatever it's going to wind up being called. That will definitely be worth the wait, but especially when it come, when it came to Breath of the Wild 1 on the Wii U slash Nintendo Switch, the Wii U, especially by 2016 
I mean, it was the wasteland practically yeah. for Nintendo. It sold abysmally poorly, and there it was just there was nothing there. It was just a wasteland for Nintendo. That's really the best way I can describe it. And that's one of the reasons that it felt like this wait was so long. So many people thought everything will be fine once Zelda comes out. It'll turn the entire generation around. You'll see. Like we wanted, like we really thought that The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was going to finally, quote unquote, fix the Wii U. Everybody just look at, everybody just saw Breath of the Wild as this heal-all, as this end-all, be-all healing salve, exactly what Nintendo needed to finally bring it out of the grave that it had been digging slowly for four years. Yeah, and I mean, letting people play the Wii U version. I remember when uh, E3 2016 rolled around and like they, they really blew it out. That was kind of the their game for E3. It was all focused on Breath of the Wild. And uh, people were playing the Wii U version of the game at that time. You know, the Switch wasn't playable. Um, they eventually, when they did that kind of Nintendo Switch presentation in January 2017, they announced there would be a launch title for the Switch and, you know, ended up being one of the great launch titles. I mean, this is not new either. This is something that Nintendo also did with Twilight Princess being in development for the GameCube and then having a, a Wii port ready for the Wii's launch, you know? So it, it's... It's nothing new, but you you could definitely say that the delays that this game saw made it the great game that it wound up being when we finally got it. And it is, I mean, it's no question that it is one of the best games ever made. This is a game that sits fairly close to the top of the all-time list on Metacritic's best-reviewed games ever. And it's an absolute masterpiece, arguably the best Zelda game ever made, arguably the best Nintendo game ever ever made so to say that the delays were worth it i think is a fair statement <laughs> i think so too i think so too it's uh it's a pretty good game guys get off our backs we like breath of the wild all right <laughs> yes we do like <laughs> breath of the wild is good game all in approved there we go <laughs> but now uh moving on although it's not as universally revered as one of the greatest games of all time it is still an absolutely stunning piece of software that went through so many delays just so many and even though it's only have and even though it only has a legacy of about 2 months there's not a doubt in my mind that this is going to go on to become one of the best regarded arcade sports games of all time our number 4 is Windjammers two ah yes good old Windjammers two i i know i know this is one you keep coming back to it's it's a it's a evergreen game for you it is but there is a very good reason why it made our top five in this regard not only because we always find a way to put indie games on here but because of the fact that the Windjammers community for the past 25 years has been an incredibly passionate fan base. People have been wanting a sequel to this game. There's still world championships for the original, at least there was, that's probably going to be updated to Windjammers 2 now. Yeah. But this has been a very vocal minority of people who have been wanting more Windjammers in their life. And Dotemu finally got the license and since 2017 had been working on this game. And you wonder... You know, it's just Windjammers. There's not a lot to it. You've just got a couple arenas, a few characters, and a few mechanics that you're essentially transplanting over from the original. But unfortunately, 
It was originally slated to release in 2019. That wound up getting pushed to 2020. In 2020, they said, sorry, it's going to take until 2021. And then in 2021, it got pushed again. So after starting development in 2017, and after initially having a 2019 release date, we finally got Windjammers 2, January 20th, 2022. Three years later now that's one of the reasons that i was so incredibly hype for this game is because i had been waiting so long because everybody in this community had been waiting so long and if you hadn't listened to my insane person rant i.e the indie showcase that we did on this game a few weeks back i definitely uh I definitely recommend going back and checking out to hear what an insane person sounds like with love. <laughs> but uh, but it is everything that fans of this franchise had hoped for and so, so much more. It plays like an absolute dream. Again, it's, go- it's going to be one of the best arcade sports games ever made, and it's going to sustain this fandom for so, so long. It still may not get the widespread acclaim or widespread audience of something like a Mario Strikers or, you know, any of the Mario sports games, really. Mm -hmm. But it's such a special, special title. And the fact that we went through actual literal years of delays waiting for this game to come out and for for it to come out. One of the delays was specifically just so they could add rollback netcode. That's a good reason. That's a very good reason to delay a game that's going to survive on its online multiplayer. So even though they kept having to push it back, even though they kept having to say, I'm sorry, we promised this. We're not going to be able to deliver what we finally, ultimately, blessedly got was Nirvana, was was (laughs) Windjammer's Nirvana. And I'm so happy. I'm so grateful to Dotemu, which is just, frankly, on a hot streak mm-hmm. right now, especially with yesterday's release of Young Souls. So again, if you want to hear any more about this game, check out our Indie Showcase. Definitely check out Windjammers 2 available now on the Nintendo Switch if you are even remotely interested in arcade sports titles. Yeah, that Indie Showcase was in episode 86. So there's plenty of uh, Windjammers 2 to go back and listen to. But uh, going into our number three, actually serendipitously our number three is a game that we did a retrospective on in episode number 33 eric yes we didn't plan this we didn't plan this ahead of time isn't it amazing how our episodes just kind of fall into line that way (laughs) right that that would be the ultimate long game if we did it that way but no (laughs) um in episode 33 of all in a nintendo podcast we did a retrospective on a little game called resident evil 4 Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. It's just a little small indie game. It's not, you know, one of the best games ever made or anything. And it's not like (laughs) the game was uh, first revealed in 1999 when uh, Shinji Mikami announced that he was developing Resident Evil 4 for the PlayStation 2. And as we get into in the uh, retrospective, the game saw multiple delays, multiple different versions shown and playable to the public and actually ended up becoming like... It ended up spinning off the Devil May Cry franchise. An entire other successful yeah. Capcom franchise was released <laughs> in the wake of this game's development and delays. 
Yeah, it's Capcom's versions essentially of Doki Doki Panic for all intents and purposes. <laughs> it's the crazy. very first playable build of Resident Evil 4 became Devil May Cry. It was it was in development for that long. And it was in development initially, just like I said, for the PlayStation 2, but it went through so, so many trials and tribulations. Again, we go into this in great detail in our retrospective because the development story of re4 is legendary and it's legendarily interesting Mm -hmm. but to see a game take six years yeah six actual human years to come out after multiple builds and after multiple times capcom says no for realsies it's coming soon only to say, whoops, sorry, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board yet again. Especially when it migrated to the GameCube. I don't think there was a lot of really high expectation. I, I think it almost felt for a lot of people like Capcom was essentially just putting it out to die at that point. They were just like, you know what? We just have to release something. We've got to actually create a game. Let's just get it out there. Let's get beyond it. Let's get past it so we can move on to something else. And then it released and it immediately was given just universal acclaim. Everybody in, it came out in January and people were ready to give it like everybody was ready to give it game of the year immediately. Yeah. It's one of the greatest games ever made. And again, we, we get into this in a lot of detail in our retrospective, but I mean, the the game was delayed so many times from its initial development, starting to restarting in 2001, then being delayed to 2002 when they announced it as one of the Capcom five for the GameCube, um, Mm -hmm. then being delayed again the following year at E3 2003. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a crazy development story. Again, highly encourage you guys to go back and listen to us break it all down, episode 33. But Resident Evil 4, just just legendary for, um, again, the trials and tribulations going into its development, all the delays, and it was well worth the wait. Absolutely. And going into our number two, this is not a game that necessarily we had to wait six years for. However, when we were coming up with the games for this top five, when we were determining the criteria, we were very specific about the significance of the delay versus the quality and the impact that the game would eventually have upon its release. And especially when you take that word impact into account, I think you'll understand why our number two is Animal Crossing New Horizons. I mean, you could argue that that game and, and, you know, it's, it's the thing that's always said about Animal Crossing, including for us. I mean, including one of the reasons we gave it our game of the year, you know, in 2020 um, was because of its release timing. I mean, if that game had not been delayed out of 2019 and into March, 2020, it wouldn't be the same game. It really wouldn't. Yeah, it was announced at the very tail end of the Isabel Super Smash Brothers reveal <laughs> trailer on a Nintendo Direct in September back in 2018. And after they showed off Isabel's incredibly wonky moveset, I love you, Isabel, but you're D tier in Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love you, though. I love you to death. But after they showed off Isabel's wonky moveset, Tom Nook appears and says, Well, I guess I better get things ready. And then uh, Animal Crossing and then 2019. So it initially had a promised release date of 2019. 
But then a few months later at E3, I say a few, like nine months later, at E3 2019, they show off the reveal, the final reveal trailer and everything properly for Animal Crossing New Horizons. And it turns out that the game had been delayed fairly significantly in to 2020. Now, people had been wanting a new Animal Crossing game for a long time, so much so that the reveal of Animal Crossing uh, at the end of that Isabel trailer was the one more thing. That was the last thing we saw from that September Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm. Nintendo knew how big of a deal that was and how you know hype people were going to be for it. And unfortunately, it turned out that we were going to have to wait quite a while longer, even though they didn't steadfastly give us um, any, you know, even any month or quarter within 2019, the year of 2019 turns out is like a 12 month window. Right. (laughs) So delaying it to an actual other year is still quite a significant delay. However, when the game came out, Nobody could have predicted this. Of course, nobody could have predicted this, but it just so happened to be within a few days of the world going into complete COVID lockdown. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's so that's so important. I mean, I talked about it last week. It's uh, that game is instrumental in, in literally the creation of this show you know, let alone what it meant to everybody in quarantine and everybody who w- was just able to escape from the horribleness going on around them. I mean, that game was just exactly what everybody needed in that moment. And that's not a service that game could have provided if it released when it initially was supposed to. That That's so crazy to me. Like the, the delay of Animal Crossing New Horizons to March 20th, 2020 is the best thing that could have happened to that game. Genuinely. It's something that I said when we gave it our game of the year for 2020 is Animal Crossing New Horizons may just be the most fortunately timed Mm -hmm. release in Nintendo history. And one of the reasons, one of the big reasons we gave it game of the year is because of the incredible impact it had during that first year of COVID. So many people retreated into the world of Animal Crossing as a way to just deal with with everything and it was just such a great release and it was such a great escape a vacation if you will away from the real world it was exactly what so many millions of people needed that year the delay was done in order to polish the game up a little bit but lo and behold the delay plopped it right dead center at ground zero for exactly when the entire world needed it yep 1000%. 1000%. What a special, special game defined by its delay, defined by it. Um, but before we get into our number one pick, we do, of course, have some honorable mentions. Now, I, I yeah, we've got some pretty significant ones here. Yeah, I did want to make sure, you know, even though we as Nintendo gamers haven't uh, had to experience the delays of these games, uh, these games have since appeared on Nintendo consoles. So I want to make sure we shout out stuff like Bioshock, another yep. game we've done a retrospective on mm-hmm. um, recently, as a matter of fact, uh, the first Borderlands game, which changed wildly through its delay <laughs> yeah. cycle completely different art style completely different um you know fez which of course was delayed for years and years and years finally released we finally have it on switch 
The story um, very famously told in video game, the movie. Yes, yes. And uh, L.A. Noir is another example of a game mm-hmm. that changed dramatically through the course of its delays. Again, these are games that uh, released first on other platforms, and so Nintendo gamers didn't have to suffer the uh, the effects of these delays, but we still had to shout them out. Yeah. But speaking of retrospectives that we've done, we've already talked about a few games that we've done retrospectives on in the form of Resident Evil and, of course, uh, Bioshock that you just mentioned. But as a matter of fact, the last retrospective we did just a couple weeks ago, almost very nearly. Oh, was it last week? It was last week. Oh, yeah. man, it was last week. Oh, my God. <laughs> the passage of time. Uh, the passage of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the... Uh, the retrospective we apparently did just last week. Thank you, Seth. <laughs> that very nearly made this list because of, you know, everything we talked about in the retrospective, the fact that Conker's quest was shown off in 1997 and they even released a conquer game in 1999. That was in line with the original cutesy vision they had for the, for the soon to be foul mouth squirrel before eventually releasing in 2001 at the absolute pun intended tail end mm-hmm. of the Nintendo 64's life cycle to much acclaim and no sales. But again, we go much deeper into that in our retrospective, which oddly enough, Seth was from last week. Did you know that? It, it was, it, as it turns out, it was from last week. Uh, <laughs> uh, to take us back to the Wii U era, uh, again, we have to shout out Pikmin 3, which was initially intended as a launch title for the Wii U. Didn't wind up making the launch window. Um, ended up coming out about a year and a half later, a uh, little bit into the Wii U's life, but um, short life, unfortunately. But uh, when it came out, that was worth the wait. Pikmin 3 is great for my money, the best game in the series. And of course, now Pikmin 3 Deluxe which we have reviewed on this show um, Mm -hmm. available on the Nintendo switch. And I mean, the the game turned out really well. Absolutely. It's so good. I think it's kind of got forgotten at this point, but the bingo mode in that game is so much fun. And Louie, I still want to strangle Louie. I really (laughs) do. But we've got a couple more to, to shout out real quick. Super smash brothers brawl Mm -hmm. was a game that suffered a couple delays, but wound up, turning out pretty well as most smash brothers games tend to do ultimately it's still on the low end i think of smash brothers games for most hardcore fans right but ultimately that delay allowed them to continue to build the hype train and with the smash brothers dojo that we've mentioned on here on the show a couple times the smash brothers dojo is where the marketing for super smash brothers where they really figured out how to build the hype around these games and of course everybody knows the smash series now as this you know unbelievable hype machine as this unstoppable hype train all the lessons they learned in in doing that they learned from the delays of super smash brothers brawl in being forced to do something like the smash brothers dojo like in drip feeding content constantly to people to keep them interested yeah yeah and i I know you've already brought it up but i mean Lego Skywalker Saga. I mean, I think God, it I might. Hope it's good. I, I think it might actually be for real, for serious, coming out soon. I think it might actually be coming out, but that that game's been delayed so many times. I just i I hope it's worth it when it finally it's comes. out. It's not a video game. It's just a rumor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We also. I mean, we'd be remiss not to shout out Mother Three, which would have been like probably our number like six. I mean, Mother Three. 
went through so many different delays, so many different changes. Originally, it was going to be a Nintendo 64 DD game. Before, yeah. <laughs> like getting completely restructured. Um, resources going into the GameCube's development, eventually being released for the Game Boy Advance, and the heck, we in America are still waiting on it. Yeah, we're still like <laughs> looking at my watch here, Nintendo. Turns out it's 2022. Mother 3, after a long development cycle, came out in 2006. If my math is correct, that's more than a year. Yes, that's more than a year. I can confirm that. <laughs> so there's some nice little unofficial fan translations out there, which... You know, it's it's hard to officially recommend because I really wish Nintendo would would do something. We've already kind of talked about a certain music channel that we hope mm-hmm. Nintendo derives some inspiration from. So hopefully one day they can get some inspiration from these fan translations from other three. Please, Doug Bowser, if you could do that, I would love you forever. Maybe for our 100th episode, if you could just do that for it, please. Hey, there you go. <laughs> and the game that's effectively our 1.5 because uh, so there's this game called clockwork aquario that we (laughs) featured in the news a while back and that is because clockwork aquario on the nintendo switch holds the actual guinness world record for the longest development time for a video game at 30 years (laughs) yeah and i mean the long development time is one thing but even in the realm of delays like the uh the, the publisher of the game announced that they were bringing it back back in 2020 so i mean even when it finally released at the end of last year it was a significant delay even in the scope of that <laughs> and ultimately the game came out and it hasn't made a super huge splash of course it's I mean, you're talking about an indie game on the Nintendo Switch. It's so hard for so many of those games to come out and make an impact, considering that they're essentially drowning in each other. But, I mean, for the simple fact that it owns a Guinness World Record, for the simple fact that it was officially, quote-unquote, we'll go, go ahead and throw about five sets of air quotes around that, officially in development for three decades. I mean, even though it's... Even though it's not the most amazing game in the world, and even though it hasn't really had too much impact, winning a Guinness World Record for the longevity of your development cycle, that definitely earned a shout out on this list. Oh, yeah. But going into our actual number one, um, and and again, this is, this is another thing we've done a retrospective on on the show. This one back in episode 55, our number one is the Nintendo 64 slash Super Mario. 64 for for a few reasons a that quote that i said at the beginning of this segment from shigeru miyamoto the now famous quote uh from nintendo regarding their stance on delays comes from reference to the nintendo 64 for those who don't know and again we get into a lot more detail about the nintendo 64's development in that retrospective that system was first revealed in 1995 in playable form to come out that christmas And then they ended up delaying it to April 96. And then they ended up delaying it again to June 23rd, 1996. And it's like, you start to wonder like, what was, what was going on? And Nintendo leaned into it with their ad campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, I don't even know if it felt more like leaning into it. It felt like them begging their customers. Like, please, (laughs) please don't go, don't go by the PlayStation. Please don't do that. Just just wait a little bit longer. We promise it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And that was actually their ad campaign 
for the Nintendo 64 was it'll be worth the wait. Because even though it didn't, even though we're not talking about, you know, six years of delays, even though we're not talking about development heck that lasted for a full decade and a half with a certain Nukem of Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the console wars were real in the mid 90s. We're talking about just that half year of delays he, uh, just coming out instead of holiday 1995 coming out in mid 1996 that was more than half a year of people having time to go buy the competition there was a very real chance had the nintendo 64 not come out and mario 64 not been one of the greatest games ever made that nintendo could have very easily fallen too far behind in the console race it got delayed so much they basically forwent the entire 32-bit era of video games. That's how much the industry was evolving in the mid-90s. The fact that we had a development cycle of just a couple of years because it was officially unveiled in 1994. The actual console was officially unveiled in 1994 as the Ultra 64, but wound up getting delayed so much they changed the name and then getting delayed into the uh, middle of 1996. That was an eternity for Nintendo, an absolute eternity. And it's very easily to see a version of history where Nintendo essentially had to dip out of the hardware race in the late 90s. Yeah. And and I mean, by the way, like Super Mario 64 is the reason this thing got delayed as much as it did. They knew I mean, they, they literally say, they, they look, I think the actual quote is, we needed more time for Nintendo 64 software to mature. But what it was, was they uh, they were developing Mario 64 and they knew what they had. They knew that Mario 64 had to come out and be absolutely perfect and change the course of gaming history. That's why the Nintendo 64 was delayed. And was it worth the wait? Absolutely. I mean... To say that the landscape of gaming, let alone the genre that Super Mario 64 essentially defined and and essentially created in the form that it still exists today, um, I mean, 3D gaming in general would not be the same if Super Mario 64 releases anything less than perfect, and Nintendo knew that. So, I mean, was it worth the wait? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that the Nintendo 64 and Nintendo as a company didn't maybe uh, lose a couple steps during the 64-bit era, because, of course, there's that whole thing with cartridges versus discs or whatever. But had the Nintendo 64 and Mario 64 come out and not have been as momentously amazing and universally revered as they were, again, it's really easy to see a version of history where where we're basically just choosing between PlayStation or Xbox right now. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, just all of those factors, it, there really couldn't have been anything else as our number one. The most prolific delay, the delay that meant the most to Nintendo. I mean, it's just had to be what it was. But what about you guys? What are your favorite games that you had to wait way too long for? Let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook. Reach out to us on Twitter. Join us. Join the conversation over on Discord and let us know what your favorite games that pushed their way through massive delays were. 
Yes, but you know, we have done a lot of celebrating of Mario this week. Of course, Mario Day. We live in this post-Mario Day world now. <laughs> yeah. But uh Yeah, my life has been split between pre-March 10th, 2022 and post March 10th, 2022. Those are the two phases of my life officially now. (laughs) Yes, yes. Mario Day uh, has come and gone, but the celebrations do not end here on All In a Nintendo podcast. You know, it's been a little while, Eric, since there's been a new full Mario game. Yeah, it's somehow already been five years since Mario Odyssey has come out. How is... How is that even like, that doesn't look like that should chronologically work, but somehow it does. Granted, yes, there have been a few re-releases in the form of New Super Mario U Deluxe. And of course, we got the immaculate Bowser's Fury as Mm -hmm. part of that incredible collection with uh, Super Mario 3D World. But, I mean, all Bowser's Fury really did was just whet our appetite all it did was just prove to us how badly we really need a new core plumbing adventure that just happens to include a little platforming here and there and when we think about when we consider the future of our favorite plumber our favorite nintendo plumber mario and the future of his games there's a lot to talk about and we can't do it alone Dear listeners, we are so thrilled to welcome a very special guest to the show this week to join us for this post-Mario Day discussion. He's the founder of a little channel you may have heard of called Game Explain, and his voice has become practically synonymous with Nintendo coverage on YouTube. So please welcome to the show right now, Andre Seegers. Yeah! <laughs> you guys weren't kidding. <laughs> that hasn't impressive yay. <laughs> Well, we're glad you approve. Always a good yay here on All End, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm always happy to uh, talk about Mario, especially uh, around Mario Day. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the perfect perfect time to have this type of conversation. Yeah, it really is. It was like it was meant to be. (laughs) It was like it was planned by a couple of podcasters, man. But it's it's a total treat. Um, I, I've been a you know huge Game Explained fan for years. Actually, it's it's a little serendipitous, Andre, to have you on for this discussion because I was thinking about this, and I think the first Game Explained video I ever watched was a new Super Mario Brothers Wii related video. Oh. <laughs> so like forever ago, yeah. you know, like, like you guys were doing like walkthrough videos, I think at the time for like some of the hidden star coins or something. You just right. gave Andre like three or four new gray hairs, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I had any left <laughs> to convert, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I think that was my first game explained video and, uh, and I've been a fan ever since. So it's, it's really, really great to have you on the show. And, and like I said, I think that for people who are fans of Nintendo and, and Nintendo coverage on YouTube, I mean, ju- just hearing the voice here through the through the radio waves is like, is, you're the guy. You're the Nintendo <laughs> YouTube guy. So I'm sure that everybody listening uh, is familiar with you and Game Explain. But for those who aren't Andre, what is Game Explain? Yeah, I mean, you covered it pretty well. We're uh, a YouTube channel primarily, though we are on uh, TikTok now and some of the other socials uh, to lesser degrees. And we just cover uh, we cover all kinds of video game content, including um, all the major platforms. Though we are we have historically been and are still primarily focused on Nintendo, where we do discussions, analysis videos, where we dive into a trailer and you know 
dig up whatever secrets we can about it. And we do kind of, you know, we do reviews, previews, comparisons, interviews, all kinds of things. We're all over the place. But basically, if you like Nintendo, um, I would recommend, you know, I, I'm biased. I would recommend checking out our channel, though, <laughs> for more uh, on the games you love, you know, you know and love. Well, it's glad that you would recommend your own stuff. You know, that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be a little, it would be a hard life to lead if I didn't recommend my own stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do all this work, but you guys really shouldn't look at it. <laughs> yeah, don't please do yourself a favor. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love what you're doing. You do it well. You've been doing it for a long time. How long has Game Explain been around, man? Oh God, don't make me do the math. I think <laughs> I, I think it actually is 12 years this month now. Um, like nice. exactly 12 years, nearly to the day. Uh, yeah, so because as you mentioned, New Super Mario Brothers U is one of our earlier projects, um, and I, I do hear it's funny. I have been hearing more recently from like, oh, I remember you know watching you back with New Super Mario Brothers U, like from, you know from the Starcoin guides. I'm like, oh my god, oh yeah, I did. No, it's it, it's always like I was a kid watching that. I'm like, no, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> you went from like an, from adolescent to this fully. You know, this full-grown adult who's married with kids. I don't need to hear about this. Um, no, it's always it's always great to hear that though, and uh, it's crazy. It doesn't. It has not felt like twelve years to me at this point. Like it still feels like a relatively uh, recent endeavor, and yet like this has been what I've been doing almost you know the vast majority of my adult life, and it's still it's still weird to think you know, and it's still not. I mean, it's become more a more common. Uh, you know, uh, career for career choice for people, but still not all that common. So it just—I don't know—the whole thing just still feels a little weird to me, even though I've been doing it most of my you know career-focused life. Well, I mean, your channel is about to reach its adolescence now. You're about to reach the teenage angst years of Game <laughs> oh, Explained. <God>. So <laughs> that's right. Yep, we are. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. It's always you know it'll be fun to see where the future takes us and everything. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, just real quick, I think since we're talking about the Wii U era. Uh, briefly, at least. I think that's what helped us get our start because no one was really covering Nintendo back then because no one wanted anything to do right. with the Wii U. So I'm like, all right, I like Nintendo still. I'll focus on the Wii U. And uh, we had started a bit before the Wii U. We had started actually in the Wii's like twilight years. Um, so, uh, but it kind of worked out that, you know, we were such passionate Nintendo fans um, that, you know, we helped, uh, I think, act as a community for other people who may have felt ignored by other outlets that were largely focusing on uh, bigger consoles, which makes sense. Like that's where the uh, that's where most of the users were. You want to cater to them, but that still left some demographics that weren't being you know uh, uh, given content appeal. You know that didn't have content being appealed to, or what didn't have content being made for them. I should say. Mm -hmm. um, so it was fun. Yeah. It was fun to be able to kind of grow alongside them. Yeah, I love that. And and I think that's how, you know, for a lot of people too, like I the the game explained discussion is something that's a little bit legendary on YouTube for, you know, especially in the Nintendo community, the the nature of just kind of sitting down and having a round table discussion that you guys do on Game Explained. You guys kind of I don't want to say, I mean, I guess pioneered that kind of format where it's like, I remember back in the Smash Brothers Wii U and 3DS days, you guys were doing that like weekly essentially yeah uh that's right we were um yeah we had uh yeah we were breaking down like every every i think the week's worth of images that they would have we would do a whole discussion on them or they had a major reveal and then we would do like an emergency discussion and discuss that at the time it came out um yeah you know it's it's interesting like i don't want to uh <laughs> i try to think of a way of saying this without it coming across as like just being full of myself but i think i think we did help pioneer a lot of things that are just kind of taking for granted these days that you know that has become so widespread now that it's just accept as part of the landscape um and i'm not saying that it would have happened without us as well 
but I do think we were doing some things earlier than a lot of other uh, outlets may have been. And, um, you know, I think we kind of probably helped influence that direction. At least I like to think so, um, which is fun, which is fun to think about um, for me, at least. Uh, like, for instance, we weren't we weren't big on the podcast game early on that you could say that's something we missed out on. But um, we've 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 dabbled with it a bit over the years. But I, for me, I always felt like, you know, it's weird to be waiting to discuss news when the news is happening now, you know, let's discuss the news right. as it's happening. Um, so we would do our discussions and that, and I felt like that was our version of the podcast, basically. You know, why, why do we need a podcast when we get to discuss everything in the moment when people are, are most excited about it? And uh, that kind of evolved to Smash Brothers a little bit where every day, even though we'd have a new image, I mean, it may not have been enough by itself to discuss, but you collect enough of those over a week and Hey, there's something there probably. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And it was it was a huge, I mean, I think it was inspiration and pioneer. I mean, these are the right words, and it definitely influenced the way we approach uh, our show and, and doing discussions like this. And so, um, guys, let's let's kind of get into it. Uh, let's let's talk some Mario, man. Yeah. Let's let's do our own version of a game explained discussion here. <laughs> yes. About the future of Mario. Yeah, we just had Mario Day, obviously. A lot of people were kind of wondering what exactly we were going to hear about come Mario. March 10th, and we got a couple things. So I think to kick this off the best way uh, we can, what is your takeaway? What What are your thoughts on what we did hear about this past Mario Day, Andre? I mean, we didn't hear a whole lot, uh, honestly. Right. I mean, we found out about uh, the Lego Peach set, of course, and then we got confirmation that um, Universal Studio, or sorry, Super Nintendo World is opening at Universal Studios Hollywood next year. So mm -hmm. it is interesting. It's kind of funny to see. Um, really no announcements from Nintendo themselves out, outside of the eShop deals with everything else coming from their partners like Lego and Universal. Um, so it's nice to see them step up uh, when Nintendo wasn't. And I think that's partially because NCL in Japan just doesn't really care about Mario Day because it doesn't make sense there. They're, the way they do their you know, right. day, and, you know, day and month format, it just the joke doesn't work. The wordplay doesn't work. Ten, ten Mar Day? Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, but still, hey, it was still, it was still good to get those announcements and as one who's been waiting for Super Nintendo World like literally my entire life, I mean, I wanted Nintendo Theme yeah. Park before they announced it eight years, or seven years ago now at this point. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to finally have one opening that I can go to. I wanted, of course, to go to the Japan one, but then COVID happened. Uh, so at this point, I might just wait for the Hollywood Hollywood one, and luckily, not that much longer to go. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, well, all three of us, we can show up day one with our, you know, <laughs> Mario and Yoshi souvenir, you know, sippy cups and hands, and our, you know, toad hats. Drop thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> our toad, I'm sure that's going to happen. Our toad oh, yeah. cap hats on. And just go be nine years old again. Yes, that's that's exactly <laughs> it. Like I'm a huge Disneyland fan, so having a Nintendo version of that basically is uh yeah, that's that's what I've been waiting for forever. It, it is just kind of funny though, because I think when when Mario Day rolled around, I think a lot of people were kind of looking for a few things. Obviously, it's been a long time. I mean, the last proper like newly released 2D Mario game, if you don't count the Mario Maker games, which are really like just 2D Mario creation tools, and and like they're awesome, of course, but it's not you know a proper new 2D Mario game. Um, new Super Mario Brothers U was the last full new game in the 2D Mario series way back in 2012, nearly a decade ago now. Um, of course, the last proper 3D Mario game was Mario Odyssey in 2017. So, I mean, it's it's been quite a while. We've got a couple of games with Mario set to appear in them coming this year with Mario Strikers Battle League and Mario Plus Rabid Sparks of Hope, or as we like to call it around here, Sparks of Hype. Um, <laughs> yes. But... 
But uh, no, like, proper new Mario game in quite some time. A lot of re-releases, a lot of spin-offs. But where's the proper Mario game? Yeah, especially because it's been um, almost five years, too, since a 3D Mario as well. So there has been, like, a mm-hmm. gap in core Mario coverage recently. Um, not that we haven't had gaps like this before, but it does seem like there's got to be something on the way. And uh, a part of me wonders if maybe there could be a tie-in announcement to accompany the Mario movie coming out later this year. If maybe there could be a right. game, whether 2D or 3D or, you know, maybe even mobile, who knows, <laughs> um, to, accompany, to accompany the movie. And that's something maybe we could possibly see at E3 in that case. Um, you know, I don't know whether it would tie in directly, directly into the movie or not. Uh, but it would make sense to get to have something there for that, to build on that synergy. And, you know, that's a popular buzzword these days. And uh, just capitalize yeah. on all the momentum they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel like no matter what, you can't be that far out from a new Mario, whether it's 2D or 3D, we're, we're overdue for one. Um, and because, especially because the, the team that makes the Mario games like Mario Odyssey, they haven't released anything significant since then. So they've got to be working on something big. I want to know what it is. <laughs> and they teased us with Bowser's Fury. It was a tease. Exactly. I mean, come right. on. Yeah. So we did have Bowser's Fury. <laughs> I love Bowser's Fury, by the way. So I don't want to discount Me that too. at all. I had a complete blast with that. I thought it was great. I, I also wouldn't be opposed to like more smaller scale experiences like that. But I don't think I took the entire resources of that team. So I don't think no. that was quite the full uh, Mario experience that... um that we still have coming. With that said, though, it was nice to have that as a stopgap because I truly did enjoy that game. Yeah, it does. The way they've been releasing these since Mario Odyssey came out, the way they've been releasing New Super Mario uh, Brothers U Deluxe, the way they've been re-releasing Super Mario 3D World and adding Bowser's Fury onto that, it did make me wonder whether or not that they had slated those in specifically just because, just so they could give the team more time to work on the next Mario game because obviously... You know, this is the triplest of A games that we're talking about. These aren't games that are knocked out in nine months or something. Uh, so I, it, it made me wonder the way they were releasing these. Granted, yes, we've gotten a ton of Wii U re-releases on the Nintendo Switch anyway. But the fact that they've been staggering these Mario re-releases over the past few years, I, I did wonder whether or not that they were just kind of padding the time for the next Mario game or whether or not they just truly think is it's like, well, we'll give them a little bit of new content with this new Mario re-release, but technically we've gotten three Mario platformers on the Nintendo, like three retail size Mario platformers right. on the Nintendo switch in the form of Odyssey, new super brother, uh, new super Mario brothers, U deluxe and, um, and 3d world. Of course, obviously they were more than content to just let Mario Kart 8 Deluxe be the only <laughs> representation for that series <laughs> yeah. on the console. So with a little bit of new content with Bowser's Fury, I am a little concerned that they've kind of washed their hands of Mario platformers on the Nintendo Switch because it's not uncommon at all for there to only be one per console. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There isn't, that has been a common thing, um, especially for the, the 3D games, um, minus Galaxy 2. Uh, but um, there's a couple things about that. So I guess for one, real quick, I guess it, it depends on how Nintendo looks at these games, because in the 2D space, we also had Mario Maker 2, and, uh, right. you know, which is, I guess, almost an, an infinite <laughs> Mario game, like an everlasting <laughs> right. Mario game. Uh, and plus it, it is own- fantastic. I know it had, you know, of course, a lot of people really enjoyed that game and it had a whole campaign as well, which you could even consider like a, you might be able to consider that, a, you know, a 2D Mario, if you will. Yeah. Um, 
And then, uh, but then there's a fact though, you know, the Switch just celebrated its fifth anniversary. There's no signs of it slowing down. And I also don't know why, you know, even if there is a Switch successor coming in the, you know, down the pike, you know, whether it's a, uh, a Switch 2 or Switch Pro, whatever it is, I still can't imagine a situation in which Nintendo completely just drops the existing Switch user base because that's that's a massive amount of people you can you can appeal to. Why would you want to uh, not be able to sell them games? So I feel like even if Nintendo has historically had like a Mario, like a major Mario per generation or per console, I think this I think Switch would be the exception where we could see where we will see even. Uh, more 3D or 2D Mario's just because I think the platform is far from dead. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that um, it, it really, even though we're like already somehow five years in, it feels like we're just getting started. It kind of you know, does, like, right? It really does. Like it just, and it, and it seems like just looking at, you know, um, Nintendo's language, like Furukawa says stuff like, you know, we're only halfway through the life cycle. We're still having this thing going. And yeah, even if we do wind up getting a Switch 2 or don't don't just you know don't uh don't at me for saying the switch pro word <laughs> we don't talk but, about uh, switch I'm pro, all the pro pro <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly but uh you know even if we do get something like that i i think you're right andre i don't think we're completely moving away from the switch ecosystem i i completely expect switch to to live on for quite some time and i think they've got to be thinking about uh, when the next proper Mario comes from. And and yeah, like maybe they do look at Mario Maker 2 and they say, well, you know, we're good on the 2D Mario front. But I mean, it, it is kind of crazy to think that like 2D Mario was the bread and butter of the series for so long. It's how the series started. And we haven't had a, a full new game other than Mario Maker in nearly 10 years. And I, and I wonder if it's kind of like a response to, I think some people look back at some of the new Super Mario Brothers games. And I, I think there's some, you know, kind of revisionist history in a negative way on those games, regardless of the fact that they sold like tens of millions of copies. Um, so I, I wonder if Nintendo's cognizant of that. I wonder if they're kind of like, let's just let them have Mario Maker and that'll be the 2D Mario game. And let's just focus on 3D. Yeah, it, you you bring up a good point because the 2D games historically have sold like amazingly well. Like they sell better than the 3D games in general. Um, so it is a little surprising that they haven't done a whole lot more in that space uh, outside of Mario Maker. And you could also possibly say um, uh, Super Mario Run. Although I guess Nintendo considers that going to be a bit of a failure, it sounds like. Or maybe not failure, but a bit of a disappointment. I think they expected more from it. Right. Um. But yeah, it's, it's it's surprising all the same. And if I could be misremembering, because it's been so long now, but I do believe at one point, I, I thought, it may, I think it may have been Awada who commented that they were effectively done with the new Super Mario Brothers series. This was before the deluxe version, if I remember correctly, but that wasn't right. a new game, of course. Um, again, I could be misremembering the exact quote. But I mean, I, I for one, I don't think Nintendo's done with it. I think there will be more. But personally, I really do hope that it really isn't in the new Super Mario Brothers space. I felt like, you know, I know, I know that series of the Law fans. I totally respect that. I never really was able to get into any of them because, to me, they they stopped doing what I like playing Mario games for, which is pushing the genre forward. Like they would keep trying new things, mm -hmm. whereas those felt more iterative than Mario than two D Mario's typically had. Uh, so I really want to see a new Mario from Nintendo, new two D Mario that really tries some new ideas. You know, whether. I mean, I, I don't even know what they could be. <laughs> At a grappling hook, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why not? Uh, just, yeah, exactly. Just just something new, or even you know, even a more, I don't know, artistic art style, something more engaging, right. like something hand drawn. Like there was Wario, uh, 
what was it? A Wario Shake It on the Wario Land Shake oh, It. So yeah, amazing. I love yeah. that game. Right? Like, why not more of that? You know, give us something, give us a Mario that looks like Wario Shake It. That could be amazing. Um, but yeah, in any case, you know, I want the unexpected. Like, I just want a game that I that I could only get from Nintendo. And uh that's what I'm hoping for for Mario. You know, give us a new version of Mario that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Well, I think there might be there might be some internal discussion, maybe even some internal conflict about where to go with the Mario license, about where to go with the game. Because obviously, I think a lot of us people who have been with Nintendo for so long, for actual decades, you know, we we share the same opinion that you do, Andre, that we'd love to see the newest, most, you know, most avant-garde Mario that we possibly can to try to push the genre forward, as opposed to going back to the 2D uh, Mario games, which I think a lot of people just kind of associate with old style and, you know, you know, retro, which can be good, but they're there as more comfort food as opposed to pushing the genre forward. But then mm-hmm. you have, you know, then, then Nintendo is still looking at the numbers and new Super Mario brothers, U deluxe sold over 10 million units. Right. Right. So, you know, they see the numbers, they see the literally millions of people buying this game, but then I'm sure they see a lot of the discourse about how a lot of people are kind of tired of the new Super Mario Brothers U and they want more 3D games. So, I don't know, maybe maybe developers talking to producers, talking to accountants, talking like well, it's like, well, we sell we sell 10 million units of these games that don't take as long to produce as the 3D games. Like, yeah, okay, but we want to make a new 3D game and a lot of people want us to make a new 3D game. So I wonder if there's any, I wonder if there's any like internal kind of butting heads about what the next Mario game should actually be. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I be honest with you guys? I no. and, and look like, well, yeah, I'll just, <laughs> that's fair. I'll, but, but look, I, I'm the host of a show called keep Nintendo weird. All right. So I, I like weird Nintendo games and I, and I like the idea of Mario pushing the genre for like, like I miss the days when Mario can be in a frog suit, you know what I mean? Like right. I, I'm, I miss the, that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, like you, you tapped into that. I think a little bit, Andre, when like, I want to see 2d Mario push the genre forward. I look at something like Rayman legends, mm. which I'm like, that's like one of my favorite 2d platformers ever. And I think just eats new super Mario brothers. You use lunch all day long. You know what I mean? Like as, as much as I love 2d Mario, I want to see them do more creative new fresh things like that and and actually you know kind of come in and slap us around and be like no we're nintendo like we own this genre man we created this genre <laughs> right. you know so. yeah no you're you're totally right i mean nintendo yeah basically perfected it and uh or maybe not perfected but you definitely show what a platformer could do and uh, continue to you know improve it as they made games up until you could say mario world i guess where they basically stopped making 2d marios um, or maybe Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy, even be technical, <laughs> um, right. until New Super Mario Brothers came along. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it is just strange to see Nintendo kind of like neglect their primary 2D franchise, you know, uh, back in the, from back in the day. And especially, I mean, especially now in an era where Kirby is going 3D, right? So Kirby's leaving the right. 2D space himself. So now we need someone to really step in there. Another, we need Mario to come back and show us what 2D, uh, what they can do in 2D. Um, I will say, you know, like I think the the indie space is doing some really interesting stuff in 2D, of course. Right. Um, and I wonder if maybe that's partially why Nintendo's like, yeah, we don't need to worry about it too much. You know, um, <laughs> indies are, you know, already covering all the uh, 
variety of ideas it can do in, in two dimensions. But I'll still love, still love to see Nintendo's polish uh, well, better explore. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go 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 ahead and finish what you were going to say, Andre. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I just want to see what Nintendo can bring to the game. Like, we see, I mean, we have seen it in some other senses, like, with the Donkey Kong series, which I think are amazing. Like, I think Donkey right. Kong has continued the tradition of what Mario should have been doing. And I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine with, I love having Donkey Kong games. So, uh, but I would love to have Mario there as well, making games alongside DK. I'll tell you, if, if they did this... For a new 2D Mario game, I would 1,000% be on board. What they need to do is they need to take inspiration from Mario Odyssey. Do you remember all those super interesting retro 2D sections that you go into the pipe yeah. and you become 8-bit Mario? If they took all the creativity that they used for so many of those sections, like all the gravity-bending sections and you know jumping from walls to ceilings and all just... If they took that and created an entire game of stuff like that, I would be completely ready for that. That's an amazing idea. Yeah, you, you bring up a great point there, Eric, because that, that's something that I, I definitely wanted to ask you guys and get your thoughts on. Because there does seem to be a little bit of a disparity to me between 2D Mario and 3D Mario right now, where 2D Mario is kind of like the new Super Mario Brothers series. You know, they're, they're fun games, well made and everything, but they're kind of like squeaky clean sanitized, you know, Mario and some people, you know, you could definitely accuse them of being a little bit generic and stuff like that. Um, and then you look at something like Mario Odyssey, which is just bursting with creativity and like that game, I was just playing this on stream for Mario day and, and I like actually forgot that that game literally opens with Mario getting the crap kicked out of him, his hat being destroyed. <laughs> and I'm just like, how bold, what a bold way to open a Mario game. And that's the kind of stuff that I want to see universally across the brand with every iteration of Mario. I want to see more of that creativity and boldness. Yeah. yeah Mario Odyssey basically opens on a game over screen from another Mario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Mario Odyssey was such a breath of fresh air. I loved it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just, that's what I like to see from Mario, you know, something new, something, I mean, I'll even say I wasn't the biggest fan of Mario Sunshine when it came out, but after revisiting it in the 3D All-Stars collection, I'm like, you know what? There's actually a lot of like creativity here. The controls are largely on point, and I actually really enjoyed going, revisiting it, which is rare for me. Like, there's not too often where I go back and enjoy a game that I didn't like before, but it actually changed my mind this time. And uh, and, and it might partially be because I've been so hard pressed for like you know new Mario experiences. Starved, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but um, but yeah, no, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I love it when Mario does like weird stuff. Like I'm all. I, I mean, even I love when Nintendo does weird stuff in general. As you were kind of as you were both commenting on earlier um like the zelda 2 that ever i've noticed for instance real quick not to stray too far from mario day like every second zelda game is weird like zelda 2 yeah. or majora's mask <laughs> um yeah. uh, there's another i'm forgetting in there and they're all weird i want more of that weirdness from nintendo well i mean we've got the sequel to breath of the wild coming you'll probably get yeah. it I hope so. That's what I'm hoping. I hope it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Make it nice and weird. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree. I, um, I, I'm i kind of thinking too, and, and we touched on this a little bit when talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie, which of course is currently slated for December of this year. Uh, still not high. All we know is that, you know, the voice cast is, in, is an insane fever dream and I still can't believe it's real. Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't seen anything from the from the movie yet, and you know, hopefully, we'll see something soon because it's coming out in just you know barely nine months now. Um, do we think that there there might be some sort of? And, and I know you mentioned this a little bit uh, earlier, Andre. It would make sense to kind of tie some sort of new Mario game into the movie. Do you think maybe they would make 
Uh, w- would Nintendo be willing to make a literal, like, officially released Nintendo, like, self-licensed movie tie-in game to the Super Mario Brothers movie? It does seem so unlike Nintendo, doesn't it? But at the same right. time, we've never had a situation like this before where Nintendo's been so intimately involved with the, you know, with a movie's creation that I feel like it might as well, it, this might just be effectively a Nintendo movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sense, I I think it might make sense um, <laughs> to use a word one too many times. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so I, I think it's possible. I, I do envision if this were to happen, I am kind of thinking of maybe more of a mobile-based experience just because I feel like that just makes more sense in this case. Um, you can have people playing the game as they're waiting for the movie in theaters. They could download the game while waiting for the movie in theaters, you know? Right. Um, and that might, you know, it makes a little bit of a risky, a little less risky of a prospect too. Um, you're not putting, you know, significant resources into it. And it's not going to tank your brand if it fails for whatever reason. Not that I would expect it to. Um, but yeah, I, I think, it, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, especially with how big Nintendo's going in on this movie. Like to the point that, you know, they're advertising it themselves through the Nintendo Direct releasing the voice cast. And even though we haven't seen a trailer yet, you know, maybe we'll see that first Nintendo Direct. We don't know. Um, but it does seem like at the very least, Nintendo's heavily involved with it. We know Miyamoto is at the least. Yeah. And, uh, and it's very possible to get a game based around that. Yeah. It's, it's too bad that the person who created Mario isn't completely invested in making sure that this movie works out. Um, (laughs) the, uh, but it's just so weird to think about it because when you actually sit down to think about it, it does make a really bizarre kind of sense to have Nintendo's next, uh, Mario platform game, potentially star Chris Pratt voice in Mario and follow. <laughs> and that is okay. And that fo- is where things get weird. I had to consider that element. That, that is true. <laughs> and, and, and following the plot of the movie. So it's, it's kind of weird that, but you know, there's a lot of people really not sure about a super Mario brothers movie. So they may right. do it just as a crossover, just as a tie in to try to bully the movie into success. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. It is. I mean, it could definitely help. I feel like the movie is going to do at least well, no matter what, though. Like, it's a big brand. Um, it could certainly underperform. But I think no matter what, it's going to, like, reach a baseline without doing anything, regardless of how much quality how quality it is or it isn't. Um, it's just it's a Mario movie. People are going to see it, at least you know, the hardcore fans like us. Um, but I do think, you know, whether it will reach a broader demographic really is a, a good question. You know, will it reach the people who maybe grew up with Mario and have stopped playing Mario games or... Will it reach? Will it reach parents of you know kids who play Mario games? You know who knows? Will they? Will they even enjoy it? Um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's so many unknowns involved in this movie that comes out in nine months or less. It's pretty right. It's pretty wild. Like we barely even know about the plot. The little bit we do know is just from that um, the one voice actor for Spike who who gave us just a little tidbit. You yeah, know, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think almost a year ago at this point. Um, which has me just really curious to know what exactly is going to be the plot of that movie. Like I personally am hoping it is some kind of origin story just so we had that finally had that definitive origin because it's been all over the place over the years. So it'd be nice to have like a canonized version of it. Uh, But I'm really just so excited to see what ends up happening with this movie, especially based on the, you know, wild voice cast that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. It is nice to see Miyamoto. So, um, 
so ingrained in the production of the movie and considering how well, I mean, it certainly seems like the games turned out okay. So I'm hoping that with him being deeply, so deeply ingrained in the production of the movie that they'll, he'll be actually, he'll be able to tell the producers and you know, the, the cast and crew is like, this really isn't going to work for what Mario is and what the IP is. Hopefully he'll be able to actually tell those movie people, even though he's a video game person, hopefully they'll have enough respect for him to say, okay, maybe we should listen to the guy who literally created the character. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, hundred percent and intended or, and Miyamoto has had, you know, a, a couple of things with Miyamoto is um, he had experience working on the Pikmin shorts a few years ago now, yeah, which right. were, I believe he, I think he directed them and they were really good. Uh, you know, they weren't full length movies, but they were cute and respectful of the characters. And then also, you know, even as recently as the Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo World Direct, which I guess was a year ago now or so, I um, mean, he was commenting on how, you know, he's Mario's dad or he yeah. feels like he's Mario's dad. Yeah. Right. Like, it's such a cute thing. It's like, yeah, this is someone, obviously as a creator, he respects Mario, you know, and if anyone's going to do right by him, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be Miyamoto. And the fact, too, that um, I believe the director, I forget his name, the director of the Mario movie, Nintendo has since even incorporated into uh, Nintendo's own, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he has a position the, the within board Nintendo, of directors, Board of the directors. Board of directors, yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, which goes to show Nintendo's faith in him. So, really, all the signs, like, aside from, you know, aside from maybe Chris Pratt, like, all the signs are looking really good for this movie. And even Chris Pratt, like, I'm, I'm, really curious about it. i'm just more curious than anything involving that but uh yeah it's it's just everything's looking good it's just that first trailer is really going to be the deciding factor i think for a lot of people whether like this movie actually looks good or not you know if it wasn't for the lego movie i think i'd be a lot more apprehensive about chris pratt right but i adore the lego movie i think it's absolutely it's fantastic good. granted yes Emmett and mario are two different characters <laughs> but chris pratt has had a lot of success already within voice acting so i'm i'm very hopeful it but just but just thinking about the potential of a nintendo created movie game where Chris Pratt may possibly be voicing the plumber. That's just, just such a bizarre notion that unfortunately makes way too much sense. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's also not even just Chris Pratt. Like, don't get me wrong. I saw that. I'm like, what the hell? Like has Nintendo lost their mind? What? But <laughs> yeah. it's also, it's also partially the fact that it's not Charles Martinet. Exactly. And yeah. that's right. The, and that's the voice of Mario we've known for, what, 20 plus 25 years now? Over 25 years? Yeah, um, since outside before of, like, Mario, Mario 64, cartoons. yeah. Yeah, which is uh, which is wild. Um, but at least Charles Martinet is still involved in the movie. And so I'm really curious to see how they balance that as well. Like, I'm I'm partially picturing, like, if there is a in-game, an in-movie game of Mario, maybe Chris, or maybe uh, Charles Martinet voices the in-movie game version of Mario. So he's still right. Mario, but he's the game version of it, if that makes sense. So. Please. So this is what we do. We we make this like an anime isekai thing where it's like there's, you know, a multiverse where Charles <laughs> Martinet is game Mario, Chris Pratt is movie Mario. Yep. These things exist separately. <laughs> you know, and then, I, I want to take... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to just add, and then there's a layer of what Mimelo said before where everyone in the Mario universe is just an actor as well. Yeah. So maybe Charles Martinet right. is the real-life actor version of Mario, you know? <laughs> oh, that's a great point. Yeah, there was that. I think it was from an Iwata Asks or something where uh, Miyamoto was like, yeah, the, the characters of Mario are like actors in a play. Right. That's uh, so crazy. How yeah, much? How much would it blow your mind if Charles Martinet showed up as the Cranky Kong version of Mario? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god <laughs> lineage <laughs> there <laughs> yeah i'll take it eric I, i've got to take the the site you gave me the perfect segue because something i wanted to, to bring up is lego and um i i and i've said this on the show before i i think there's a really strong chance that we might wind up getting a lego mario game at some point um because this lego super mario thing you know it wasn't just a gimmick like it it wasn't just a, a one and done thing of course we just got the new lego princess peach and that whole wave of play sets revealed for mario day and i mean that was kind of one of the one of the only mario day announcements it seems like it's it's a very lucrative thing, Lego Super Mario, a really, you know, good collaboration between Nintendo and the Lego group. I, I kind of am feeling like there might be a Lego Mario video game brewing up. I love that idea. I mean, I think that sounds... I, I, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Does that look more akin to, like, the Star Wars Lego, Lego games we've seen? Or does it lean more into the gameplay side of things as Nintendo's own or the Mario's own Lego kits have themselves? And that's what's really exciting to me. Like if they go, if they go into the building side of things, um, that could be really fun. But that's, that to me, I'm already envisioning like a basically a 3D Mario Maker. So yes, give me right. that 3D Mario Maker with Legos. That sounds awesome. Uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, it's almost surprising it hasn't happened already. <laughs> I was like, well, Traveler's Tales has been so locked up with the Lego Skywalker saga for so long. I'm sure whatever else was yeah. going on at the studio for the past couple of years had to be put on hold. So, I mean, right. it may be in their itinerary. Yeah. These these Lego figures have already got NFT technology in them, guys. Like it's they're 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 like they're ready to be little amiibo with just a firmware update. It's already there. Just make it work. And like, you know, and yeah, I'm I'm totally envisioning like a 3D kind of building. Kind of, you know, we we had Lego Dimensions. You can kind of use Lego Dimensions as like a, a blueprint and stuff. And you there there could be a really good opportunity for synergy between those playsets and a video game i, I yeah. think that would be awesome yeah no totally would be like so are you envisioning or do you think they might actually incorporate the physical lego kits into the game itself as well somehow? yeah they could they That'd absolutely could because like just they, like lego so, dimensions or yeah so so eric you know this andre it's it's kind of a running joke almost on our show that i i, I am like all about these lego super mario things i've bought a lot of them i've tried to be good i've tried to illustrate some discipline and restraint but i've spent a lot of money on lego uh mario plastic uh so one thing that I always really like about these Lego Mario sets is there's an actual Lego Super Mario app on the smartphone that it ties into. And you can you, you use that for not only gameplay, but for building the sets themselves and stuff. And I could just really see like some synergy between that stuff where if you have these sets, you can all of a sudden you've got a little, you know, Lego Luigi's Mansion chapter. If I've, if I've already bought and purchased the Lego Luigi's Mansion set, now I can play this little side story with my Lego Luigi in the video game. You know, it could be really cool, man. Yeah. I'd be into it. That sounds, that sounds cool. I'd be, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I, I just and and I think you know there's potential for it. Really, just kind of depends on how well it seems to be doing. Well, this this collaboration with uh, with Lego and Nintendo, and I, I just want to see that grow. I think that that makes a lot of sense um, to transition into 3D Mario. I mean, guys, what what do we think is next for 3D Mario? Is it just going to be Odyssey Two? Is that kind of what we're thinking? You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. No, I look, Mario Odyssey is probably my favorite 3D Mario game. I would oh, love wow. an Odyssey too. But, you know, is that is that kind of the the obvious conclusion or do you think Nintendo's going to do something totally different? Well, if it makes the Switch, 
it's going to be Odyssey 2. Just Mm. like with Galaxy, uh, if we do wind up seeing a new 3D non-movie tie-in Mario platformer during the Switch's life cycle, it will be Odyssey 2. I'm willing to bet money on that. I don't see a... I don't see a Mario 3D platformer on this same console that's not just building upon the first one. If it winds up getting pushed to whatever succeeds the Nintendo Switch, then I think we're looking at a completely different experience. Yeah, it's hard It's hard to, for me, I guess, to imagine anything other than Odyssey 2 at this point. They have the engine. There's clearly a lot of possibility in that game in that game style to explore that they, that they weren't able to just because there's an infinite amount of, idea, of ideas you could do with that concept. Uh, in fact, we even see a lot of those ideas in the uh, amazing Mario Odyssey art, art book that they released. Right. You can see some of the concept art, and there's so many ideas that they didn't fully explore. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot more they could do in the space, and it makes sense to explore it, but uh, I would love for them to do something else at the same time. I'd be happy in either case. I am personally expecting Odyssey 2, but I wouldn't mind the Galaxy 3. I love the Galaxy games, or something else entirely. But I do feel like, regardless of whichever game is next, I can't help but wonder if Bowser's Fury might have been like a uh, like a test, testing the waters, if you will, for mm-hmm. what could come next in the Mario or later in the Mario line, because that was kind of exploring, like you know, dabbling in the idea of taking the, you know, the uh, the 3D world slash 2D style of gameplay into a 3D space, but even then in a like more open space as well, like more like they were kind of conventional levels, but within a 3D world, which is very interesting. And so I wonder if they might do more of that concept down the line as well uh, after whatever the next Mario game is. So sorry, I might be getting a little too far ahead of us here. But No, yeah, no, yeah. I, I love it. I, that, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing to think about because, you know, I get the sense, and this is something I've talked about on the show before, like the Mario Odyssey team is a lot of like new blood at Nintendo, right? You know, it's, 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 it's a lot of young people and it really was kind of a passing of the torch moment um, for for Nintendo, kind of passing it on to this kind of new generation of of uh, of Mario designers, and um, I again I've said this on the show before. My my favorite thing about Mario Odyssey is that the the credits are just alphabetical. You know, <laughs> like the credits are just it's a total passing of the torch of like Miyamoto's just in there with the other M's. You know, right? And um, it just completely illustrates how Nintendo's like, look, like we, we got this. We're younger. You know, the, the new bloods got this. We can do it. Mario Odyssey was amazing. And then you look at something like Bowser's Fury and that's another demonstration of like the new, the new people at Nintendo kind of wanting to take Mario in a completely different direction. And I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see the, whatever the next Mario game, if it's Odyssey two, if it's something completely different, go, kind of full open world. You know, the, the the kingdoms in Mario Odyssey are already huge. I can't yeah. really imagine how much bigger you make those. <laughs> but um but yeah, I can I can totally see that being what's next. Well I could see them making the kingdoms bigger because also I mean especially when you look at a lot of the open world games that we play now, uh the the kingdom maps within Mario Odyssey are comparatively small outside of something like Bowser's Kingdom. But sure. uh, if you if we are going to go the Mario Odyssey 2 route, I think there are two major things that they could and probably are doing for the sequel. One, I think you I think you actually reduce the number of power moons. I think instead of having mm. just power moons littered absolutely everywhere, you instead make slightly fewer power moons, but you give them each something at least remotely interesting to do as opposed to just ground pounding in the right spot. 
I was gonna say you don't like ground pounding on a little on a little hill to get a power move. No, don't get me wrong. Come like on. it's incredible. It's a nice little little micro dose of serotonin every time you get one. But they they reduced it down to micro doses for Mario Odyssey. Yeah, I love the fact that there's a ton of collectibles, but it does kind of slightly devalue uh, each one when so many of them are so easy to get. So I think you reestablish the importance of those collectibles by making them a little bit more interesting to collect. And two, obviously you've got the capture mechanic for Mario Odyssey, but like it's so, so easy to expand on that because most of the capture targets had effectively a single purpose. They were essentially just contextual abilities that you had to use right then and there. Make the capture targets their own interesting, fully fleshed out playable characters with comprehensive mm. movesets. I think that's how you really build on Mario Odyssey is yes, you're technically playing as Mario, but have a ton of capture targets within the game that would basically count as additional extra playable characters. There's your gameplay variety. Yeah, I mean, that could totally work. Um, I mean, I think there was already elements of the existing characters you could capture that they didn't even fully, weren't able to fully explore. So building yeah. on that, I think, is a great idea. I mean, they could really go really all out here if they wanted to. Like, they already kind of hinted at, like, it almost seemed like they were hitting, heading in a direction with Mario Odyssey where it, maybe Peach could become playable at some point um, or right. you know, other characters. And what if they incorporated that idea where, Maybe you can play as these different core characters of Cappy, and then when they possess another uh, another creature, then they they all control slightly differently. So if you play as like yes. Luigi and you capture a frog, you jump a little bit higher yes. or you make a special move or something, right? Um, so that could lead to all with Peach and like, they can float. Yeah, exactly. Right? Wouldn't that be great? Oh, um, so I that love could that. Be a really interesting way of mixing it up. You could play through the game a hundred times a different way. <laughs> With something like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially if they introduce co-op for the first for the first proper time in the 3D Mario split screen co-op. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, that that'd be awesome. Yeah, I I love it. You, you guys, have, I, I'm leaving this discussion just like more excited. I think for the future of Mario than than ever because there's so much that they can do with it. I mean, the, just the the possibilities really are endless, and it's kind of actually hard as we're sitting here talking to predict what they're going to do next because. That's kind of the magic of Nintendo and Mario, right? It's it's that they're going to think of something. Like, we can sit here and speculate all day long. They're going to wind up doing something completely different, and it's hopefully going to blow our minds. Listen, listen, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've guaranteed that we're going to get Mario Odyssey 2 if it's on the Switch. If it does wind up being Bowser's Fury 2, even furrier, then I'd be happy with that as well. <laughs> I would genuinely be happy with just taking Bowser's Fury and quadrupling the size of it. Yeah, no, Bowser's Fury is great. Like, yeah. I loved so many of the ideas in that game. Even just having the ever-present, you know, Bowser that changed how you would play through the levels. Like, that was great. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm excited for whatever Nintendo ends up doing here. And even if it is, you know, just Odyssey 2, like, I remember when Galaxy 2 was announced. I'm like, you know, I loved Mario Galaxy, but I'm like, man, do I really want another Galaxy that looks so similar to the first one? And it ended up being what might be one of my favorite Mario games ever. Uh, so yeah. they can do the same for in Odyssey 2 um, or whatever ends up being like that just has me excited, you know, just has me even more excited for uh, the possibilities um, because, yeah, Nintendo, Nintendo really drops. I mean, especially after me going back to Sunshine and enjoying it. It's like, wow, Nintendo really doesn't really drop the ball when it comes to 3D Mario. So I hope that trend continues as uh, they're, they're almost always among my favorite games that Nintendo makes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, Andre, we don't want to take up your entire uh, afternoon. So if, if you would, it's been such a blast. Maybe we could sit here and talk to you for, for hours about this. But uh, if you would, kind of point people in your direction, point them towards Game Explain, point them towards you personally. How can how can they follow you and, and you know keep up with all your thoughts on Mario and everything going on with Game Explain? Yeah, it's probably a good thing to cut me off because uh, or cut off the podcast, but I'll definitely talk about Mario for hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we would be here all day. Yeah. We'd be here all day. It's more for your sake than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you can definitely uh, you can follow Game Explain on primarily on YouTube, but we're also on TikTok and Twitter and all that at just at Game Explain on pretty much every platform. So if you just Google Game Explain, it'll pop up there. Um, or you can follow me personally at Andre Seegers on Twitter, and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So um, if you want you know to find Nintendo coverage or in depth Nintendo coverage in video form, uh, Game Explain's the place to do it. Well, here to close things out, just right here at the end, I'm just going to ask the final question. Andre, what do you think the chance of us getting, actually getting a brand new Mario platformer by the end of this year? And if not by the end of this year, the end of next year, what do you think is the percentage chance of us getting a new Mario core title? Whether 2D or 3D? Whether, whether 2D or 3D. Oh, okay. Well, by, by the end of next year, I would say 100%. By the end of this year, I'm a little iffier on, and it really depends on, like there were rumblings of a Donkey Kong game. And if there is a Donkey Kong game, then I would say that, that supplants the ability for there to be also be a Mario game. So I would say, you know, I would also wager that there's a pretty good chance we'll get either a DK or Mario game this year. So that's how I put it. Because I've been on the boat. I don't know. I don't trust Nintendo when it comes to Breath of the Wild 2. I've been feeling in my gut that game is going to be pushed out to next year. Whether early or late, I don't know. I'm feeling that's not this year. They already have a pretty full slate. But uh, I also partially think that because if there is a Mario or DK game this year, then it, I can't imagine that and Zelda releasing at the same time. And again, this is all fully theoretical. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> making assumptions that there could be a Mario or DK game. Um, but in any case, assuming Zelda does get pushed, that's why I think there could be a Mario, a possibly a Mario game this year. So I would get, I would go maybe 60% chance of Mario this year, 100% chance by the end of next year that we definitely have another 2D or 3D Mario. All right. What about you, Seth? What do you think? I, I agree. I mean, I mean, people who listen to this show know that I've been banging the conga drum for Donkey Kong <laughs> yeah. for quite some time. I, I think Donkey Kong is a thing. I think it's going to happen. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see it this year. Um, we'll see. I, I mean, yeah, just to, to echo what Andre said, I, I, I think that by this time next year, I think we have to at least know, if not have a game, we have to at least know what's going on with Mario. I don't know. They may consider Mario Rabbids 2... Even though it's not a platformer, they may consider it a Mario adventure game. So, uh, I I don't think even with even with the movie tie-in, I don't think we're getting that this year. If they do a movie tie-in, we may get it early next year. I could absolutely see Mario the movie, the game coming out March twenty twenty three. But I do think that by the end of next year, we will have another core Mario platformer in our hands. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's going to be worth (laughs) worth the wait. (laughs) It'll be worth the wait. Well, uh, again, Andre, thanks so much. We uh, will have links to everything Game Explain, everything Andre, of course, in the episode description. So go support him and Game Explain and and everything they're doing. Uh, We absolutely love it. We can't wait to see what the next 15 years of Game Explain look like. (laughs) So thank you so much. um, And thank you for having me. It's been a complete blast. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Let's roll out the red carpet one last time. For Andre Seegers. Yay! Yay!
<laughs> All right. Good luck, man. And have a great weekend. Yeah. Thanks. You too, man. What a blast. That seriously, one of the most fun discussions I think we've ever had on this show chatting with Andre. What a treat. I, I, I honestly have left that conversation just feeling like so energized about Mario, man. Like I'm so excited for the future of Mario. Yeah, I can't wait to have him back on the show already. Uh, great talking with him. Absolutely fantastic. Make sure to check out him. Make sure to check out Game Explain and everything that they're doing over on YouTube and social media. Make sure to also check us out on YouTube and social media. You can follow us at All In Podcast on Facebook, at All In Podcast over on Twitter. And... Make sure to join the community over on Discord. We have a ton of fun over there with all of our friends. Follow, like we were talking about earlier, youtube.com slash allinpodcast, twitch.tv slash allinpodcast, talking about the future and Mario. We will be playing some Mario Kart in the near future over on twitch.tv slash allinpodcast for Community Game Night when those tracks release here in just a few days. Oh, I can't wait for that. But, guys, we've also got a podcast Go figure. That's true. We've got a little variety show that we do here each and every Saturday that we think that you should like, follow, and subscribe to, which you can do over on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podchaser. And, I mean, we think we do a halfway decent job with the show. If you agree, maybe you can... Drop us some words on iTunes, on Audible, on Podchaser. You can leave us a five-star written review. And on Spotify, you can rate us five stars if you deem us worthy. Which, I mean, why wouldn't you? Why after? <laughs> I mean, after us. this episode, come on. After this episode, I think we, we've earned your five-star review, man. Drop it for <laughs> us. And, of course, if you leave us a written review, uh, I will shout it out on the show like we did at the beginning of this episode. So it helps us so much with visibility, and we really appreciate it. We absolutely do. We appreciate you guys so much. We appreciate each and every one of you amazing, amazing human beings that hangs out with us each and every Saturday and makes us part of your weekly rotation. Namaste. But. I mean, yeah, I, there, Andre just had so much energy, Seth. Like, I'm just, I'm rehyped for everything. I can't wait for Mario Kart. I can't wait for the next Mario game. I can't, I just, I can't wait anymore. I can't wait. I need it all in my face. You know what, guys? I have been Samurai Eric down. I I need to go play something. I need to go play something right now. I need to get oh, this out. I'll see, I'll see you yeah, next th- week, guys. Bye. I, I I think I need to also. I, I talked earlier how it was hard to put Mario Odyssey down. I think I got to pick it back up. Guys, I have been Seth Prime Pinball. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Yeah. All right. It's Mario Day. Let's make Sam Hart proud. <laughs> One, two, one, two, three. You be my princess, I'll be your toad. I'll follow behind you on Rainbow Road. Protect you from red shells wherever we go, I promise. No one can touch us, we pick up a star If you spin out, you can ride in my car When we slide together, we generate sparks In our wheels and our hearts In the finish line It's just around the bend I'll pause this game So our love will never end Let's go again